Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My girlfriend broke up with me because I'm a compulsive gambler. Ever since, all I can think about is how to win her back. Hey, fun fans, it's We Enjoy. Kind of going back to the beginning, circle of lifestyle here, the, because the first episode of We Enjoy we ever did was Pride of the X-Men. And now oh, we're doing the X-Men movies. Yeah. Right. We're doing the X-Men movies now, doing uh, 2000s X-Men in the main event today. We are the Mattitude Eric. I am Matt Fowler. Say hello, Eric Goldman. Hello, everybody. He's a mutant, a stinking yeah. mutant. Uh, not, Toad is not alive for this. Yeah, Toad is not. <laughs> Uh, uh, be told to go play in an airlock. He does not chase Lockheed, who's uh, also not in this movie. Uh, but despite all of that, it's still a pretty good movie and is. very important to the world of superhero comic book movies. Yeah. And to uh, Eric Goldman and Matt Fowler and our particular love <laughs> of these characters and never thinking we'd see them in this mm-hmm. particular way on the screen like this and how blown away we were. Uh, movie has flaws, but we sure didn't see it when when that movie came out. Um, uh, we were just like, our jaws were on the floor. We weren't just on our seats. We were on the <laughs> edge of the seat for the people next yeah. to us. I asked the guy but, next to me to pinch me, make sure it was yeah, a treatment. It was uh, sexy, action, cool. It Actually, made speed but... look like a slow ride to grandma's house. The it guy sitting next to me when I saw this movie was Brent Simons, because we watched this movie together at a midnight show in Westwood. But I saw it with you, too. Yes, but that was my second time seeing it. Oh, my God. You probably told me it was your first time, and I believed you. Little did I know that you had already seen it with Brent Simons. Sullied, mm-hmm. sullied the entire experience. Um, yeah, so uh, last week, uh, I won't go into details too much about this, because uh, I'm still in the sort of the throes of this. Uh, my father passed away uh, about two weeks ago, and so we didn't do an episode last week, and... Um, all I'll say about this is zero out of five stars. Do not recommend dead dads. Uh, <laughs> uh, did not enjoy this. So, uh, but yeah, I because I don't know when I will spontaneously just sort of break into to tears. I won't keep talking about it because it comes and goes in waves. But thank you to everyone who reached out about, um, you know, sending their thoughts and prayers, love and light and all that stuff. So I really appreciate it. But yeah, so that's why there was no regular episode this week. We basically just delayed X-Men for one week. Yeah. This year will be one episode short of We Enjoys as it goes. But yeah, so we're doing X-Men in the main event. And uh, they're all stinking mutants, Eric. 
They are. They are. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. Uh, I, I saw a lot of uh, very uh, kind wishes to you as well, Matt. And uh, um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, I am. You have know, given Matt my condolences, but I'm very. Uh, it was very sweet to see all the people as well that have done that. So thank you guys for that. I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this though, Eric. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, for those. I, honestly, if those curious about my father, a uh, very interesting fellow, uh, you yeah. can read his Wikipedia page. Just Google Keith Fowler, and you'll 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 figure out who it is. There might be a, more than one Keith Fowler on Wikipedia. I have no idea, but you might uh, you might find him, and I uh, might even see a resemblance. Mm. But Eric, wasn't this the the story that your mom once auditioned for my dad? I don't recall if that's the case. It might be. Uh, now I'm gonna have to ask her. I mean, she definitely she she knew him. Like they, yeah. It's like when when you and I met, she already was either familiar with Keith by you know actor scene reputation, but I think they'd met at one point. So the auditioning for him seems plausible. For, and this is the theater world we're talking yes, about. Yes, yes. You know, because my dad didn't direct, because your mom's been in TV and movies and he didn't do that. But she did a lot of theater, theater as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so was, it, yeah. it's very, po I think that's very, very likely, uh, Matt. So let me, I'll ask her that. To, uh, remind my point me, is Matt, she didn't get the part. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> oh, uh, she didn't get the part when she auditioned for Tarantino and she didn't get the part when she auditioned for Keith Fowler. Did she <laughs> so, have to show her feet? <laughs> I don't think maybe she refused to, and that's why she didn't get. Was it. your mom auditioning for uh, <laughs> what is Santanica Pandemonium? What was fucking Salma? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sex her foot in Tarantino's yeah, mouth she, and from dusk till dawn. She was in the top three for that one. Uh, no, she auditioned for uh, his one of his. E oh no, he only did one ER episode. She auditioned for his ER episode. Oh, the ER one. I remember. Yeah. I remember yeah. we watched that on Ventura Canyon Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll ask my mom uh, to remind me how she knew your dad. Cause yeah, I, I do recall that sounds, that sounds very, very likely Matt. Yeah. That's why I was, you're the one with a better memory than me. That was, I was relying on you, Eric. Now we have to rely on your old mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She remembers things. That's good. That's well, it's better than my mom. All right. Let's get into some entertainment news this week. Uh, some pretty cool stuff happening in the, in the Big uh, realm of Tinseltown. First of all, there is a, <laughs> You added this. There were only three stories here, and I saw you added this. Uh, I second, forgot so. kind of the bigger one, yeah. The biggest one here, which is there is a, uh, a green light uh, for uh, the Ma a Mandalorian movie, not just a Mandalorian movie, a movie called The Mandalorian and Grogu, yes. which is sure to be a shock for everyone out there who didn't follow The Mandalorian past season one and didn't know Baby Yoda actually received a name. <laughs> I really wish that... When they post, when the posters for this movie actually get released, that they use that comical red cursive that they use for Anjo Pesci and the Lethal Weapon Three poster <laughs> for and Grogu, and if Grogu could even be peeking up like Joe Pesci was in that poster too, that would be perfect. Well, I I said it. The first thing it reminded me of uh, was when around four years into the real Ghostbusters, they retitled it. The real Ghostbusters and Slimer, Slimer. but his, his name was even bigger than the real Ghostbusters because it was like he was so popular. It was like fuck these guys. It's about Slimer. Uh, this was <laughs> interesting phenomenon of like a fun part of the Ghostbusters movie and sort yeah. of a uh, basically kind of a almost a rule of three gag in that movie, but not a character by any stretch of the imagination turned into the fun silly sidekick in the animated series that sort of. 
uh, eclipsed the, the core Ghostbusters. That's right. I, I mixed it up. He he got top billing. It became Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. They got Puppet Show and Spinal Tapped. On wow. This that, yeah. I'm wondering if that's when I when I was out. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm the show. This I'm just, is bullshit. I just fucking uh, Jan Schlipman, my desk, which is a reference to that John Travolta fucking movie. What was it? The, a perfect. A civil action? Civil, Civil action, yes, which is a very a good book. book I it remember, is a, it yeah, is a very yeah. Good book. Both of us, for whatever reason, at a certain point in the '90s, were reading these legal thrillers. Right. Uh, in this case, it wasn't as much of a thriller as like a John Grisham novel, but like that were being turned into movies. Because for I don't know why I read this book, but I did. Uh, did I read it because it was being turned into a movie, or did I read it just because it, it was got, like it's it the got hot book like of the moment? Attention or? outside of the like airport novel, like people were like, "This one's pretty cool." So it just had this like extra layer that got people, people like us, cool people, Matt, uh, <laughs> checking it out and reading it. Like, why did I read The Rainmaker? I did. <laughs> but Someone I did. had to. <laughs> Wait, so let me get back to the Mandalorian and Grogu. <laughs> just if you to, must, yeah. They said, so this was, you know, uh, unlike, you know, when we have um, reports and rumors, this was like a full press release blast that this was happening. And my first thought, Matt, was, oh shit, uh, they pushed baloney out something happened because it was john favreau will direct i don't know if we mentioned that the mandalorian and no, Grogu. so this this is like favreau's thing not full yeah and so but, it turned but out like, but in the press release they made sure to say that filoni's movie was still one of the three movies announced you know last year and they also announced that ahsoka season two is actually in development because until now they've been so cagey about you know when would we even see those characters again would it be uh, in the movie filoni's right. movie or yeah um so yeah this is uh, Dave Filoni's still in because he just received such a huge promotion too. Yeah, uh, that it'd be weird if it was it was somehow like pushed out. Like even if he was, I shouldn't even say pushed out. Just like I thought maybe like he wasn't directing that movie anymore. Um, but yeah, this movie um, because again they're saying this isn't supplanting anything, but they also made sure to say it's filming this year. So I you know I, I don't know if you saw my Twitter thread about this Matt, but I was like I responded to one guy who said. You know, he 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 had an understandable response, which is, I won't believe it until I'm sitting in the theater to see it. And which is, you know, I totally get, we've talked about all the, you know, when will they actually successfully make a Star Wars movie where they keep announcing Star Wars movies, they can't actually make one. But I said, his, my response was, I get your response. I also think this movie is being made because of that. Because all these other movies, they want to get right, but they also have this pressure to fucking deliver a new Star Wars movie. Disney, I'm sure, is like, where is a new Star Wars movie? And this is the easiest thing to do because it's just have Favreau and the team doing the Mandalorian instead of making season four, make a movie this year. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's, that's why this movie is, is this happening. the Jason X of star Wars. <laughs> it's like, we need a Jason movie and everything else is taking too fucking long. <laughs> like, yes, it's exact. And it will have all the similar scenes, including a, 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 a girl's face being shattered. Um, yeah, so I just think that, yeah, they're making this movie so that they can make a movie and hopefully all the other stuff will still happen. And again, we keep hearing that the Ray movie is closest to going into production and maybe we'll also go into production this year. But I think we get this first um, because it's like the easiest thing to pull off. It's like, And this, and because of that, it will be theatrical because I do still yes, yes. think there's a way that this winds up on Disney Plus over the, the theater. This wasn't, I mean, but they really pushed in the press release. I think, no, I think that they know uh, everything we've heard about, like, they know that they've tarnished their brands with, like, too much too fast. I, or the, you know, I'm specifically, obviously, talking about uh, Marvel and Star Wars. 
uh, they need a Star Wars movie. And so they push in the press release it to be theatrical, big screen. Uh, so I think this is the next theatrical Star Wars movie. I hope it is The Mandalorian uh, and Pedro Pascal stunt double yeah. and Grogu, the puppet, along with uh, Jack Black and Lizzo. I think I hope that's the four <laughs> people in this movie. I want people. To, I'm yes. trying to think of what will make people the angriest. Right, right. Could be possibly be uh, about a Mandalorian. And let's Grogu. just have some more strong females in there, Matt, who that's are very let's skilled. Have, let's have all of. Let's have uh, um, who are very Bo skilled Katan and, we, and, Coast and we don't, Reeves, and yeah, we don't and have Illinois. very specific backstory on how they got those skills. So they're all they're all actually they're just going to be called that. It's an army called the Mary Sues. And they're all just like better than Darth Vader at everything. <laughs> oh man, I hope they I hope the Emperor comes back again and they kick his ass and no one dies and has to be brought back to life with a kiss. Technically, so, this would be him coming back first because this is earlier in the timeline than Rise of Skywalker. But but they'll still say somehow the Emperor uh, uh, has returned. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> but for us, it's again. They don't know. Um, sure. But he the thing is is that he's his ass gets kicked so fast. That no one in the later movies knew he even came back from like had an unsuccessful first trial uh run. Grogu just pushes him off a cliff. Oh. <laughs> no, it's Grogu who freezes the Emperor's face in uh, uh liquid nitrogen and shatters it <laughs> a la Jason. All X. right, I've I am very in on all this. All right, so man, the Mandalorian and Grogu and Slimer coming to theaters near you at some point. <laughs> Uh, 28 years later, Eric, record yeah. scratch. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> uh, 28 days later uh, mm-hmm. from Danny Boyle, very uh, sort of, I always hate saying seminal because the roots, the the actual roots of the word seminal are from semen because it means like the seed of something. <laughs> it's okay. And starring uh, uh, Killian Murphy. He's so hot right now. <laughs> he is so hot right now. He's going to win the, the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so 28 years later, is in development now from um, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland. Mm-hmm. They're uh, basically making. Are, do we know what the fate of Twenty Eight Weeks Later is? Uh, which I did not see. You never seen it? Is it oh, good? We're, we're gonna watch. It's really good. Oh, we're gonna watch these movies, Matt, on this podcast because <laughs> yeah, the, 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 um, it, yeah, it, I'm really shocked you never saw Twenty Eight Weeks Later. I didn't know uh, if it was good or not. There was no Rotten no. Tomatoes back then. I have no idea what what the scene was. <laughs> 28 Weeks Later opened when I was working at IGN. I don't know if you were there yet, but... <laughs> I, I don't think I was there yet. Okay. Um, uh, so no, I, I was in the throes of, like, my kids being at their youngest and not seeing movies in theaters. But I did Rose, see, obviously, Rose 28 Rose in it. You can't go wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so this is a long way to part three, but it is funny that, yeah, they it's taken so long that we it's not 28 months later, which once would have been. Right, right. But I'm saying that, like, that's still because I didn't see that movie. Mm-hmm. Is it just a sort of a standalone? Yes, like, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's, it's not. Okay. It's not. It's a la Romero. It did not have any characters. It was just like, you know, here's this the world further along into this shit. Um, got it. Got it. But it, that's it. Could Roseburn be in this? Don't spoil it. Maybe she I, does. I, I don't know. <laughs> but so, so, um, anyway, the news is that uh, they're developing this movie right now. And uh, it's one of these, I, I think people are, again, we're so used to these decades later sequels uh, and it's, it's such a uh, roll of the dice. Some are great. Some mm-hmm. are uh, very forgettable in a way that, uh, man, I've, I still wonder about people who get so mad about the thing. You know what? You know what wasn't great? Anchorman 2. You know what also wasn't great? Zoolander 2. 
well comedy sequel comedy sequels in general are hard so yeah it is harder but i'm saying like of course lord and miller pulled it off with um 22 jump street because they're lord and miller uh but wait 22 how how far ahead how like how long was the wait between 21 oh you're 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 saying yeah yeah i'm just saying i'm saying on top of being a legacy just a longer sequel that, that wasn't good comedy sequels in general are just hard to pull off yeah that's true uh uh, dying is easy comedy's hard as they say in, in uh the acting world okay so yeah so more than 28 years later now when was the first one 2001 2002 2002 and then the second one 2007 this will not actually be 28 years later um and and denny boyle didn't direct the second one he was still involved but that he, i knew i yeah. did know that yeah uh but he's maybe gonna direct this one. maybe yeah. you're like i'm out uh but no, like I said, the funny thing is that they're saying it could be a potential new trilogy, which is funny because it's the long-awaited part three. It's like, this is supposed to end the trilogy. <laughs> but now they're like, it could be a new trilogy, uh, which, you know. Well, that doesn't always work out. We'll no. get to that in our next news story. But so 28 years later, uh, we'll pick up 28 years after the first movie. And uh, the first movie, uh, amazing. I'm glad to hear that the next one was actually really good yeah, because yeah. I just thought because I thought it ki- I thought it was like the Dark Universe killer. Nothing came after it, so I was like, well, maybe it just came and went. But um, the first one introduced a few things. One, did it introduce fast running zombies? Well, I think that was like the big. I don't. It, I don't think it was the first ever, but it was certainly you know uh, a, a prevalent thing at the moment. And 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 it was you know that movie came out. You know, it was like this, the, the huge zombie resurgence that like, you know, happened in the early aughts. And that was like a big part of that movie. Was it was a big part, part of it. But the, so the zombies were fast runners. It was a big deal uh, mm-hmm. in pop culture and sort of a game changer for the zombie genre. Much debated. We didn't have social media, but we still had internet to debate. And yeah. And then also uh, it was a rage virus. So again, it was mixing up the formula a little bit of like yeah. in a lab, there was like tested on monkeys. It was a whole thing where this was a, a specific rage virus. So there's even arguments over as to whether they are technically zombies. They are. It's, we don't need that pedantic bullshit. But yeah. like, uh, but believe you me, like, you know, diehard zombie fans, there was a, it was very polarizing, but it doesn't mean the movie wasn't awesome. Whether what you call these things or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, the movie was great and intense. And mm-hmm. yeah, let's do the other one. Um I don't know. I mean, I feel like it would be way too long to wait uh, for this no, no, no. later to come out to do these. So we well, I, I've next. wanted us to do um, a few duo when there's only two movies. Now now we know a third is coming, but uh, yeah, we can, we can fit this in. We'll do. Oh, two twofers? Two yeah, some twofers. All right. All right. 28 years later from uh, two great creators, Danny Boyle mm-hmm. and Alex Garland, who at one point worked sort of exclusively together yeah. before Alex Garland started directing on his own stuff. Um, uh, and he's great too. Okay, so, and then, so yeah, what I just touched on about uh, trilogies that's, you know, that kind of end with the first movie, we're seeing that happen with, unsurprisingly, The Exorcist Believer, the sequel, Exorcist Deceiver, which David Gordon Green has now left. And the release date has been pulled for this movie. And so mm-hmm. the whatever the next incarnation of The Exorcist is, whether it's still a sequel to Believer, is up in the air. Uh, we don't know what uh, how it's... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. How it's all going to play out. We yeah. just know that Universal really wants to uh, recoup a lot of the, the $400 million that they spent buying the rights to The Exorcist. So. Right. It's almost like because The Exorcist Believer was a box office disappointment. It wasn't a bomb if you look at the budget, which was $30 million. That's the problem what, is, I think that's what we said when we did the breakout. Of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. The problem is the four hundred million to get the rights to the Exorcist, um, which is almost why they will almost certainly do something else, whether it's a sequel or just, just like I'm just saying, like Universal will not just like oh that's it for us making Exorcist movies because they spent too much. Um, so it's like they they will make something else, but it's probably best if it's just a totally new you know clean slate thing uh, versus a sequel. And you that- and I like that movie more than most. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also that movie uh, pleasantly surprised by had a you know, pretty definitive ending. It did not have the setup for a trilogy that we thought it might even, no. you know, e- even uh, I, you know, I'm dancing around shit. I'm not going to dance around it. Um, even uh, Linda Blair returning was not like in the way it could have been super gratuitous, like as far as like, here's what's going to happen next. Uh, and she, so, she doesn't she's not like mom we got work to do you know yeah she's yeah, not like and, yeah and she cocks a shotgun uh so yeah like that, that story could be over her mom. <laughs> <laughs> they really didn't do well why chris mcneil <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but um but yeah so that story can be over those characters can be over and you can just do something brand new uh also the fact that they were going to call it the exorcist deceiver because it rhymes was always very very silly so now they can have a new title eric this was supposed to be a trilogy what's the it third was one? yeah but is it receiver <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm eric, is it golden receiver Airbud? <laughs> yes it was gonna tie it all together it's gonna be Thank huge god someone finally read my uh yeah my fanfic okay and i said yeah i said so on twitter today has someone who very much defends uh halloween ends and mildly defends Exorcist Believer. It's probably for the best that David Gordon Green <laughs> take a step back from the Blumhouse franchise horror franchises at the moment. Um, and it's funny because they said one of the reasons is he's going to fo- refocus on Righteous Gemstones, the very well received show he works on. <laughs> so because uh, of course people yeah, were like, he's, he's never done anything good in his life, anyone, and no one's like, can keep keep David Gordon Green away from HBO comedies. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, man, the thing about like, again, I totally understand why Halloween ends, uh, uh, spark the debates it does, you know, like I get it. I understand. Believer though, was a straightforward exorcist movie. It just, it it was heavy handed. Like the, you know, you can, you can listen to us talk about it. If you're a a Hudson Hawk on Patreon or a breakout episode about Believer, it's the same thing with Halloween kills. It's like 
the saying out loud of the obvious themes uh, that yeah. that don't need to be mentioned out loud and being way too heavy handed and on the nose about certain things when uh, it's all very obvious, even as dumb as moviegoers can be, it's super obvious. So, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes we like to even, maybe there's a, you know, maybe some every, movie goers go, come in all kinds, takes all kinds. And so sometimes it's fun for a moviegoer maybe not to know the themes right off the bat, see the movie again and start discovering things as you watch things over and over. Yeah. You know, if this was that type of movie, rather than like have everything spelled out for you all the time. And that's what um, Believer did. The, uh, Eric and I both agree the best parts of Believer is the first half of the movie yes, when, it's, yes. when it's played not as a demon possession exorcist movie. But yeah. So, okay. Moving on to uh, some casting news here for a project we're both ex super excited about. And Eric, mm -hmm. I really, you have some time. But I'm again, gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm not like, I don't want it to feel like homework. You're gonna love it. No, like, no, I know. God, I, will. God, I, know. I hope you do. I hope you do. Because um, this is no, another polarizing As much as I'm character. staunchly spoiled on <laughs> everything that's, you I know, know, I know, polarized the internet, but still. <laughs> Uh, I tweeted this a few days ago, which is to say, I hate calling things polarizing when only the worst people alive hate it. Yeah, yeah. Like the the discourse around The Last of Us two, uh, Part Two's Abby is absolutely vile when it comes to those who who hate her because we know why they hate her. We absolutely know why they hate her. Yeah. And uh, so basically, I don't like to you know. There's good people. I don't like both sidesing things when when it's like it's like why do we have to listen to the people who care about the who are upset that there are black hobbits, right? Mm -hmm. Like why do we have to give them a voice and allow them time? Why do we? Why do they get time on the podium? Right. Like right, why? Right. So anyway, uh, all that aside, this casting news is amazing because Caitlin Deaver, who we just spoke about in uh, No One Will Save Us, which is one of my favorite movies of last year. Great, great movie. Right. No one will save you. Did I we believe. talk about it? Because I watched it over the holidays so i don't know if well I I, it was one of you, my you recommended to, it yeah yes, it was a good thing to enjoy so mm -hmm. <laughs> ipso facto we talked about it but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no i can one now will say me. i agree <laughs> whereas last time i said i want to see that movie yeah it may have been one of my top five movies of last year but yeah so uh, she was great in that but also from justified and book smart and i didn't watch the last man standing show because i have a soul so but we love caitlin deaver and she has been cast as abby in the last of us season two uh, i think that's great casting and then also uh isabel merced has joined the cast as uh dina who mm -hmm. uh, eric you'll know who she is when you play the game but we've also talked i know about she is recently. already mad i'm very spoiled on this game <laughs> stop, stop being spoiled on the game just forget it <laughs> Uh, but uh, forget everything I, I, well, you know about. I can vampires. say I can say this without it's not a plot spoiler. I can say uh, played in the game by uh, a guest on this podcast, Shannon Woodward, um, voiced her in the game. Um, but uh, yeah, Caitlin Deaver is great. It, it voiced her it, and, and mocap. Yeah, so. yeah. It is funny, um, of course, that she uh, you know again not a plot spoiler, but you know just any visual of, if you've seen an image of Abby, you know she's like big and buff, and Caitlin Deaver is not that. So anyone can get buff. It is funny because Caitlin Deaver, a lot of people, I myself included, were, were like, hey, if, if she was the age she wasn't justified when they made The Last of Us, she would have been a great, you know, Ellie. Right. Um, like, you know, 15-year-old uh, Caitlin Deaver. So it is funny now that she's going to play this very different character that will be physically something very different than she's ever done. Uh, this actually she's, pairs she's always up. great. 
this actually really pairs up well with what we're going to talk about later when we talk about X-Men and which is our first go round of big budget superhero blockbuster casting where the only people anyone can imagine playing a character is someone who actually physically looks yes. identical to that character. Mm -hmm. You know why we love Patrick Stewart as Professor X? Because he was fucking bald. And like, we're like, yes, he's great. And he's bald. Like <laughs> he looks like him. Right. Uh, not that anyone can't just shave their head. But um, <laughs> so Caitlin Deaver, all she has to do is embody Abby's character. Obviously, yeah. she's going to have she's going to work out. She's going to get buff. And all she needs to do is be taller than Ellie, which is going to not be hard to do. Yeah. Um, she just has, she doesn't have to tower over her. She just has to be bigger than her. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, as we again, as we because the discourse we'll talk about later, too, was like the casting of Wolverine and like, yes. well, what do they look? Are they hairy? Do they look like Wolverine? Well, yes and no. It's like, do they have to be or do they just have to be really good actors? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what we found with Hugh Jackman, who none of us knew. And then yeah. all of a sudden loved him in the role. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we and were it's... so wary, and we still are, of unknowns being cast in these iconic comic book roles. I think it makes the people, the 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 shittiest people, the angriest because it's like they can't have the "this is perfect" or "this is the worst thing ever" answer. It's yeah, like they actually have to, <laughs> they have to wait and see the movie to to fucking find out if it's good or not. Like, <laughs> right, right. They hate that. They want to know ahead of time in their head. Like they want to have it all made up. <laughs> they want to uh, have that that decision. Um, and then we should just mention that Isabel Merced, uh, so hot right now, Isabel Merced, because we just talked about her playing Hawkgirl in uh, uh, Superman, um, what's it called? Uh, Legacy. Legacy. And obviously that will continue on, presumably, in the DCU. And you talked about her in Dora and the Lost City of Gold. or Dora I did. But also Gold, yeah. just her, she's about to be uh, in Madame Web, which uh, we'll see about that one. But then she's in the Alien movie. And she's gonna be that'll be Super that I'm excited about. Then yeah. she's in Madam Superman. Webb, I hope Madam Web comes and goes so fast that nobody even knows it came out. Um, right, right. And then fucking The Last of Us. So God, it's like uh, uh, she is uh, she is got a shitload of stuff. And then they, they cast they cast someone else too, but I don't think. Oh, uh, he was actually in Beef. Huh. The guy they cast Johnny uh, Beef. <laughs> Last of Us. Uh, Abby isn't the only one who's gonna be beefy in season two of The Last of Us. Uh, let's see. What's the guy's name? Young. His his first name's Young. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't he the uh, he was um, Stephen Young's uh, brother in that. Yes, yes. And so uh, yeah. Young Mazzino, mm -hmm. who played his younger brother in Beef, which I'm so glad is getting a lot of accolades right now. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite shows of last year is um, going to play Jesse in The Last of Us season two again. Uh, not spo spoiled about that character, are you? I don't know who that character is, hey, Matt. There you <laughs> go. There's so much for you to learn. The internet Jesse. wasn't mad enough for me to learn who that character was. I know. Was. He was such a benign character that, uh, <laughs> that he didn't offend anyone. He wasn't the worst character ever. Uh, <laughs> as we record this podcast, and as we record most every one of these podcasts, I look up and see my two Mondo prints of The Last of Us Part Two. One is Ellie and one is Abby. And they basically are standing back to back, but um, I'll, maybe I'll take a picture of it, but yeah, hey, or you can look it up online. Mm -hmm. Standing back to back, but in one picture, it's just Abby and then the other one's Ellie and the, you get the picture. Anyway, That's cool. so it's really cool. I uh, love that game so much. Okay, can't wait for all this. A lot of good Pedro Pascal news. And uh, maybe they put Grogu in the last of the season <laughs> too, just to make people even more upset. There you go. All right, let's get into, uh, oh, we've got some write-ins here. Um, we have a, a write-in from Kermit, 
who uh, underrated names. So glad people are still being called Kermit. Uh, that's oh yeah. So yeah. So Kermit writes, "Sorry for the late." And you're gonna have to pull upon your in, go into your mind palace, Eric, okay. and into your into your sort of uh, mental files and pull this one out. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the late comment, but I'm very behind. But wow, it was nice to hear someone articulate what I felt about Inception all these years. I was trying to explain it to people, but Eric nailed it. I'm <laughs> sure there's more fun to be had on this episode, but it doesn't matter to me because now I can die happy with no regrets. Um, uh, not, I'm not trolling because I put out positivity like the new day, Kermit. Uh, I know that like you, you, most Nolan movies run cold for you. So I assume that's what you were talking about with Inception. But do you remember what you said specifically that Kermit would No, no. I, I, I mean, uh, we just talked about, yeah, like I talked about how I, I ran cold on Nolan for like a run. Like I've, I've come out of that run because I've liked his uh, last uh, like three movies. Um, but that I think Inception was the first one because that was the movie he made in between the Dark Knight, uh, the second and third Dark Knight movies, right? Um, and so, yeah, just talking about how it was obviously visually awesome and there was great sequences, but that it was the first, a first of a few of his movies where I did feel like particularly, um, sort of like detached from, you know, what, what was happening. Like I was admiring some of the filmmaking while not actually being that engaged story-wise or character-wise. There you go, Kermit. He said it again, just for you. Or I mean, I don't know. I might've said something totally different. Maybe. I love this movie. Um. (laughs) As someone who does love Inception, I fully admit that it is uh, two and a half hours of people uh, saying rules out loud. <laughs> like, and like every time there's a new scene, the rules have changed and they have to explain what the new rules are. I get that. But I also do find it very emotionally touching. Uh, there's, there's elements of that movie that I really, they do connect to me emotionally. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I know it's not the same for you. And you know what, Eric? That's okay. It is. It is okay. Uh, as somebody who won, who went and saw just last night the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings extended edition, which only runs at this point three and a half hours compared to like the extended Bullshit. edition of Return of, the, Return of the King, which is like four hours and 20 minutes or something. Um, it was amazing. I love it. I hadn't seen that in the theater since I first saw it in the theater. Ah. So it was great to so do you've that. you've never seen the extended edition in the theater then? No, I've never seen any of the extended editions in the theater, just the theatrical cuts. So it was really cool. Uh, and again, that's another series that Eric runs cold on. Somehow we're still friends. Okay. So my favorite was the Fellowship. Was my favorite of the three. Yeah, that's one of my, also Fellowship's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Like if I had not just my favorite of that trilogy, but um, I just love that movie. Yeah. Just as I think it's the strongest of the movies, even though it didn't win. The I agree, picture. even though I diverge on the series. Of even though, well, for you, it's like calling Mo the smartest stooge. You're kind of <laughs> like it's it's the least bad of all of these. I don't think they're bad. You hate them. You hate them with every I do not hate them. fiber of your being. <laughs> Brian from you. New yeah, Brian from New Jersey writes in. This got dropped a long time ago where I asked when people wrote in and some people do and some people don't. But hey, if you do write in, tell us where you're from. We kind of like it. You don't have to give the city. You just give the state. We're not out to like internet detective. <laughs> We're not going to dox you. Yeah. So Brian from New Jersey writes in, hi, Enjoy Boys. Uh, you've mentioned over the years that neither of you have fallen down the Doctor Who fandom rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But if you are interested, Disney Plus is currently housing a soft reboot of the series that is new fan friendly. The episodes on Disney Plus are listed as Doctor Who special one through three serve as something of a soft close on all the seasons prior to them. Uh, The episode listed as Doctor Who special four is the soft reboot. New Doctor, new companion, good fun. I believe the next great Doctor renaissance is beginning and I would love to have you two on board. I appreciate you both dearly, Brian. 
Um, I will say this, I'm really excited about the new Doctor Who. Um, and I'm going to butcher his name, but I loved him on Sex Education for four mm-hmm. seasons. And uh, of which his name is Nakuti Gatwa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I said that wrong. But yeah, he was great on uh, Sex Education as Eric. Uh, and so really happy he landed the Doctor role. And who I don't know who the new companion is. See, I know enough about Doctor Who about how it works. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think at this point, you and I or anyone who's like covering this sort of stuff would would know the the basic. Here's the paradox for me, which is I understand that, I mean, first of all, Doctor Who every few years has a natural point to jump on because of the fact that they get a new Doctor and most of the time a new supporting cast. I know a couple of companions have like held over, um, but that's not They kind of bridge a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but often it's pretty much like a clean slate. And I know that, but the paradox for me is also feeling like I should watch everything. And I don't mean everything like going back to the 60s, but from the Eccleston. Eccleston which is, startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, which of course now has been on so long. Which is long still the 20 that. years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like. There's so much of it now. Uh, but so I have that that problem of being like, even though I totally know. Now I have the same time problem. To jump I, can, on. I can't just enter into the middle of. I I understand. I understand, Brian, what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, Eric and I are weird completionist assholes. It's, it's that probably like it's a stupid thing. As you get even get though most that. of these, they're all like standalone episodes too. It's <laughs> right, like, right. It's not like we're like going to miss anything that's serialized. I and I did. I was uh, made to watch the Weeping Angels episode, the very famous one. Uh, mm-hmm. t- again, standalone. Didn't matter. It was a David Tennant episode. Um. So, with yeah, Carrie Mulligan. That, um, that, was, that was very good, yeah. It, I think it's great. The funny thing is, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this or not. So I did a few years ago, I started started watching it. And we watched, Trish and I watched all the Eccleston. Well, I mean, it's only one season. He only did one season. Uh, and then we started Tenet. And then I watched the Weeping Angels episode, which I thought was great. And then I didn't keep watching. It yeah, because like, you're like, it won't get better than this. Like, yeah. Everyone says this is one of the best ones. <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't like a purposeful thing. It's just that's how it ended up panning out. So I suppose I could go back and start. Maybe I'd rewatch Weeping Angels because it is good. And then go from there. Maybe one day I will. I have a couple friends who are always so sad when it when they're reminded I'm not into Doctor Who. Uh, not anti-Doctor Who. I mean, can you just remind them that you're literally into everything else? It's <laughs> a lot. Doctor Who. <laughs> I try. Um, and then finally, Joe writes in with something sweet, <clears throat> which is that, uh, hey, guys, I just wanted to say that I was sorry to hear about Matt losing his dad. I saw on Twitter, though, that David Fincher is thinking about making another season of Mindhunter. <laughs> so I hope this brings you some small comfort. <laughs> Thanks for another great year of the podcast, Joe. Uh, that is I, I didn't see that. I only read it in Joe's message. I, I hope it's true. I hope it's not just something that's floating around. And uh, I would love to obviously even if it's just the final season man they gotta catch btk they set up two seasons of BTK. that is a show people of, of all the um not of all but of, there's so many shows you know that i want to see that i haven't seen but that's a big one for me because i fucking love fincher and it's crazy i haven't seen that show yet so uh, yeah it's great and also i think you know how obsessed i was with the john douglas books once upon mm-hmm. a time when we were when we were rooming together post-college on ventura canyon uh, i was reading a couple of his books and stuff like that um and yeah, so Mindhunter, I think, is uh, a great show. And again, I just I just want them to, because so, Eric, they set up the, the, in the background of all of this. We cut to occasionally a burgeoning killer in, I think, Kansas or something. And it's BTK. And mm-hmm. so that's like 
it's the show's end game sort of obviously as like the the big bad that's out there that no one's come in contact with yet right um right. and it's like that's what they even if it's just that in the final season uh i just need i just want obviously i'd love more than just one season but yeah if that's all we look get, if you get a third season of a netflix show <laughs> it's gonna be glow if i get if, if i get any extra honestly if i had to choose between glow and, and mindhunter i'd choose glow but like oh. uh like for a completion yes still can't believe that they fucking started to shoot a season of glow i understand why they had to stop because of this world shutdown but the fact that they didn't come back to finish it is awful there's so many awful things that we have to deal with i know it's terrible all right um okay let's get into our good things to enjoy and then we'll dive into the world of mutants uh eric what is your good thing to enjoy with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, my good thing to enjoy is a show that's beginning uh, this weekend, uh, which is True Detective Night Country, uh, which aka True Detective Season 4, uh, but the first season was a subtitle, uh, which first and foremost, you know, for anyone who just doesn't know, just to say this is 100%, you know, the way True Detective has always worked, but including this season, is completely new story with completely new characters. So even though you might say, hey, I've never watched True Detective and you want me to watch the fourth season, it's a totally, it's its own thing. <laughs> like, you just you do not worry um, because it's telling its own story. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, um, and and for me personally, I love the first season of True Detective. And then like many, I was very disappointed in season two and didn't finish it. I was a few episodes in. I'm like, this is oh. not working for me. So you didn't see the silliest parts. <laughs> I did not see the silliest parts. And I didn't watch season three, though I heard it was better than season two. Um, but uh, I was hearing a lot of buzz around this season and decided I just I really wanted to check it out. Uh, and also, I thought um, that it was cool um, that this season, like, you know, because the first season definitely had its like little like elements of horror but this time they had isa lopez um you know running it she directed every episode i think she has a writing credit on every episode though sometimes as a co-writer um and you know having really loved her movie tigers are not afraid i know she has other films but that's the one i'd seen and really loved i was excited for her coming on and jodie foster starring anyway i watched uh it's only six episodes two less than the other seasons have been i watched the screeners over this weekend and yeah i just found it really cool uh, and uh, it's set in Alaska, and uh, it is set during like the um, 30 days of the night. It's set, you know, during the time of year where it's like when all the vampires come to town. When, yeah. when all the vampires is about a bunch of vampires. When Danny Houston and his gang come in and, and massacre everyone. Um, and I don't want to get too specifics because it's fun to watch it all play out, but you know, it's a murder mystery, uh, that you know, uh, it, well, is it a murder mystery because it's, it's like some some men disappear. 
um, that there's something left at the crime scene that ties it to, probably to a case from a few years ago. And that, um, like most True Detective seasons, um, it has a uh, focus on two characters, Jodie Foster playing the sheriff in this small Alaskan town, uh, Liz Danvers, um, and then this actress, Callie Reese, playing uh, Na- Navarro, um, this other cop who I didn't know at all, and I thought, oh, this woman's really, really good, and the show has a lot to do about sort of the indigenous people in this uh, Alaskan town, and I was like, oh, is she just like an actress I haven't seen before? And I looked her up, and she's acted before, and she's actually been in some indie films that got her uh, some awards at indie film festivals, but she is a professional boxer with a huge professional boxing career. Um, so I was extra impressed when I found out uh, that was her background. Um, Fiona Shaw from the Harry Potter movies and Andor's got a supporting role in Christopher Eccleston, who we were just mentioning. Um, uh, we mentioned him a lot today because we didn't mention he's he's in 28 Days Later, <laughs> which we didn't mention. That's Eddie's right. In. That's right. Uh, uh, Doctor Who, of course. He's an asshole in that movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, John Hawks is great in this show. And an actor, um, a young actor named Finn Bennett, who uh, was in The Nevers, uh, the uh, Joss Whedon, for now, his final yeah. show. Yeah. Um, but he's really good as sort of like the, the rookie um, in this uh, sheriff station. Anyway, really like the show. Really like the mood and the vibe. And... Um, just just the tone of it and there's some there's there's an image uh there's a kind of core image in the show that seems straight out of hannibal as in the tv show hannibal mm-hmm. um that's really cool and of course jody foster playing someone in, investigating this is going to give you sounds of lambs flashbacks but she's playing a completely different characters than clarice very very different uh sort of vibe to her anyway uh yeah i i really dug it uh, i had a couple little little things that would have maybe tweaked at the end but overall, I thought it was uh, very satisfying. So that is my recommendation. First episode um, is this weekend on Max. Uh, and then it'll be weekly. Is it on airing on HBO? Oh, yeah, or yeah. Just Max. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, I, I don't know how many people still have just HBO. But yeah, I don't know, but I feel, like, I feel like that it's... It's a thing. We should give the TV channel before the streaming. We should. Things, but who knows? We should. Um, I have two detective opinions. As I'm very excited about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to come out and tell you that True Detective Season 3 is great. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about True Detective Season 3 is it is a redemption for, um, uh, how do you say his stupid name? Dorf? Uh, no, well, Stephen Dorf is in it, and he's actually very good. Uh, great great, uh, great role for him, sort of unexpected. It didn't lead to a Dorfessence of any kind, but uh, it was great to see him. No, so creator-writer Nick uh, Pizzolatto. Yeah. Wrote all of season one and then all of season two, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, did write all of season three as well and also directed some episodes. And uh, and it was, so it was great to see a great season with him at the helm and not because obviously they've switched it up for Night Country. Yeah, this is the first time he's not behind. And he's not season. doing it. Yeah. And uh, it, it goes back to the two timelines well that season one did so well, which is mm-hmm. like people now. And then what the, you know, the investigation back then and like they were partners then and here they are now and it stars Mahersha Ali and Stephen Dorff and they get to play old themselves as old men too, not just older, but like old men. And it's very poignant because Mahersha Ali's character has dementia. And so the, the, the show plays around with like what he can and can't remember and how things bleed together and what mm-hmm. things are. Anyway, it's a, it's a missing girl case and I think it's really well done. So I, I do recommend season three as well. As much as you say they're standalone, one of the things that got all uh, true detective dorks out there excited about the trailer for Night Country is the fact that I think aside from season two, unless there was some bizarre Easter egg in it, the 
cult from season one, like the basically the rich people, one percenter pedophile ring that has like bizarre pagan cult stuff going on has popped up because there's stuff about it too in, in season three. Like just background radiation. Yeah, I, I guess I would say it's it's a nice little Easter eggy thing, but it's like in no way will you not be able to follow what's happening if you didn't watch. Right, that. right. So again, there is a there is a through line if you followed it since the beginning. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's not meant to be. It is right, especially especially with the subtitle. It's meant to sort of be like, hey, everything's new. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to watch that show. I'm very excited about this weekend. I do have screeners. Didn't get to them. Maybe I will. Um. Well, I only reason I got the screeners was because uh, uh, Trish began the new year with COVID because uh, everyone got oh, COVID no. over the holidays. And I never tested positive, but I just was staying home out of caution. Sure, uh, sure. So uh, I was like, hey, let's watch some True Detective. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to party. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Uh, my recommendation is a movie I watched on the plane recently, and it is a good plane movie. I think it's a good movie in general, but also if you're just looking on it, if you're flying a on a, on American Airlines and you're like, hey, what do they got? Theater Camp. You can also watch it on Hulu at home. It's fine. And Theater Camp is a mockumentary sort of in the Christopher Vein, Christopher Vane, Christopher Guest vein uh, of that style of, uh, of mockumentary uh, comedy, though I wouldn't say it's as funny as some of uh, Christopher Guest's best, like Waiting for Guffman and Best mm-hmm. in Show and stuff like that. But it is very enjoyable and yeah. uh I, I freely admit to being very tender these days. Uh, I cry at things anyway. I super cried at, uh, at the end of this movie. Um, I would have cried anyway. I'm just calling it, but I'm saying right, I, right. Cried, I probably cried harder. Um, but yeah, I lost my page for this. I just wanted to say who's in it. But yeah, uh, it's it's you really love fun to, to say who's in it. No, no, but I want to say basically. <laughs> no, this is this is. Uh... A good con- it, this movie is a good convergence movie because it's got it all is this pro- yeah. it, so it's it's directed by um, uh, Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman and Molly Gordon plays one of the major roles in it and for those who watched The Bear in season two Molly Gordon was the love interest for Johnny Bear for <laughs> for, Car- <laughs> for Carmine um, and I can't remember who what her characters Claire I'm trying to think maybe yes. it was Claire on that show yeah um, Claire Bear so, Claire Bear so she basically uh, co-directed this movie and stars in it alongside um well and then from a screenplay from uh her Lieberman Ben Platt who you would know from uh well if you saw Book of Mormon on Broadway but a lot of other things uh very big theater musical theater um well dear Evan Dear Evan Hansen Hansen, which he did on Broadway but then got a lot of flack for when he portrayed the same character in the movie version because it looks silly 50 yeah um (laughs) And then Noah Galvin, and it, and it stars um, Molly Gordon, Ben Platt, and uh, Jimmy Tatro. Now, Jimmy yes. Tatro is somebody who uh, I loved in the first season of American Vandal. Yep. I didn't know him from his YouTube content, but he was a very famous YouTuber. I've seen him in a couple things since his big breakout role on American Vandal season one. But uh, I think the thing I saw him in last, Eric was the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Remember the werewolf movie I recommended? He's oh, got yeah. a sort of a yeah. supporting role in that. But yeah, so the, the it's basically about a summer camp in upstate New York uh, in the Ariondacks because the camp itself is called the Ariondacks. It's a theater uh, camp uh, in upstate New York that is run by uh, Amy Sedaris. And after something uh, terrible befalls her character, her son, who's sort of the wannabe business influencer on Instagram, uh, 
takes over the camp as it's sort of sinking into bankruptcy and trying to do things to get the camp uh, to earn money, to keep it from going under. Meanwhile, everyone at the camp are all just like over the top actors who uh, are just caught up in their craft and don't have no interest in helping him. And Ben Platt and Molly Gordon play like teachers who are uh, always like co-write and direct the summer's big production that they write uh, themselves. It's an original piece, but they have a history going back as students of the camp themselves and and a uh, uh, and they kind of they kind of are reminiscent of um, Amy Poehler and Bradley Cooper in Wet Hot American Summer. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then um, speaking of so hot right now, Ao Edaberry, uh, also from The Bear, is in this. Uh, and, and then this was one of her, and this is not an exaggeration. I just counted. This is one of 12? her thir- thirteen, thirteen wow, projects I was off. Okay. <laughs> in twenty twenty three. Um, was this one? But also again, this sort of convergence because. Um, she obviously stars in The Bear, which Molly Gordon had a big recurring role on the second season. But Molly Gordon in real life is also part of the clique, Matt, with Ao and Rachel Sennett. And she was in Shiva Baby, uh, which was this, you know, the director of Bottoms. Oh, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen Shiva Baby. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, they, if you they, there's often like Instagram videos of the three of them of Rachel, Molly, and Ao hanging out together. Um, so yeah, this is a, it. All it all circles together. They're like Degeneration X, and they're like right. suck it. They're like the click. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Uh, again, this movie doesn't go huge and broad with its comedy, uh, but it is funny, uh, and it um, it's very also very sweet. Uh, it doesn't go play things over the top, but it is a mockumentary, so there is uh, lots of silly things happening, mm-hmm. and it's not a talking head though. It's not like they interview each you no, know, but. Um, Good stuff. I enjoy theater camp. It's yeah, a- I, I liked it quite a bit. I saw it. I, I was like, saw it in the theater with maybe like uh, eight people, and uh, we all had a good time. We were all, and all- three of them were Molly Gordon, Aoda Berry, <laughs> Rachel said, I wish. Yeah, <laughs> that would awesome. Been awesome. You're like, I got all the bottoms here. <laughs> well, no, two of them. Just me, just me and the bottoms. <laughs> me and the book smarts and the bottoms, because Molly Gordon was in book smart too. There with Caitlin go. Deaver. See, everything we talk about just mm. puts together. Okay, let's talk about. X-Men, mutation, obviously, mutation. obviously uh, X2 is next week. And that is, again, another situation where it's like, you got to rent it or buy it. Well, I, I mean, the thing this, about- This one just landed on- Yeah, I was going to say, the, us doing this a week later is that actually more people probably could have watched it on Disney+. Plus, uh, But X2 is not on about to come on Disney. The X-Men movies in general, um, and this is not only the X-Men movies, but um, ever since Disney bought 20th Century Fox, um, a lot of those movies, including the Home Alone movies, seem to come and go from Disney Plus, I think, because there's a lot of strange old deals and they can't just keep them there. So all the extra movies at one point have been on Disney Plus, but they don't stay there. They pop in and out. Uh, but a lot of them, as we continue, will be on Disney Plus. Like X2 Nightcrawler. Is not. Yes. They just bamf in and out. Okay. Like the uh, Netflix movie Nightcrawler. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh Wait, is that a Wait, Netflix movie? It wasn't. I said the same director, Jake Gyllenhaal, did a different movie for Netflix. Okay, yes, it's... they did. It wasn't good. I didn't like it. It was the art uh, art uh, gallery horror movie. Yes. Uh, yeah, didn't didn't care for it. Okay, um, X Men. Uh, reiterating what we said at the beginning, which is to say, uh, could not believe again. Imagine a time, just twenty four years ago, <laughs> when you could not believe that comic book characters would come alive in this, this obviously there'd been some comic book movies, Batman, yeah. some big thing, but like the X-Men, the X-Men were all, not only were they super popular comic book characters, but it was yeah. also like, 
could you capture the Batman didn't have powers that, you know, like, yeah. could you capture the X-Men and ensemble with powers and fighting a group that also has powers in a movie situation? You know, it, this was for the longest time unfilmable, even though they had a script, they'd been trying to make a movie since the mid eighties. And at one point, Catherine Bigelow was even going to direct something uh, with James Cameron producing. They've but, been trying to make this as a movie for so long. And, and you know, as has Marvel fans, as comic book fans, but also Marvel fans, it was this frustration, right, that they could never make a big Marvel movie and that any attempt turned into, like, straight-to-video Drek, like Captain America or the unreleased Fantastic Four, um, that there just there was nothing to show of these big Marvel characters. And Blade I, counted, but, like, Blade wasn't, like... And Blade, no, Blade is important because Blade is like, oh, they actually made a cool movie based on a Marvel character, but a character so obscure that even you and I barely knew that character as a comic book character. And like people going into that movie wouldn't know who don't read comics would just think it's yeah, coming out of it, even if they if they didn't pay attention to the credits, they wouldn't be like, what a great comic book adaptation. Uh, Whereas X-Men, yeah, this huge, it was the most popular Marvel comic for many years. And um God, I remember, Matt, the first time I met, I don't know if it's the first time I met him. It might have been, though. Um, Travis Fickett, uh, original co-host of Channel Surfing, uh, who's now a, uh, a writer. Um, I was wearing a T-shirt that I wore all the time that was like a, a moody, it was X-Men, but they were in silhouette with like red lighting all around them. Um, it's just like a cool graphic tee. But he's like, is that for the movie? This is like the mid-90s, has in like, is that some sort of teaser image for the mm. X-Men movie that we desperately wanted to happen that we kept reading might happen. Um, so yeah, this was just like a constant thing. And the fact that they could never make the a Marvel movie. So yeah, when this movie came out, I mean, seeing this movie, um, I just remember Brent and I being like, holy shit, like they, they did it. Like we got an X movie and it was, it's so important. It, it can't stress enough to people who didn't grow up, you know, who grew up after all this stuff that it's like, the fact that they took it seriously meant the world. Like the fact that like, oh my God, they made a grounded, like, you know, character movie that was about characters and didn't treat it goofy because even the biggest superhero movies of the nineties, like the Batman, all the Batman movies, the good ones, the bad ones were heightened. Like they didn't exist in a real world. Like Gotham's until Nolan, no one was trying to make Gotham city feel like a real city. Um, And so the fact that this, like this beginning with fucking Auschwitz, you know, it was oh, like, oh, oh yeah. Shit. So we'll get to that. It was like, so that's the thing. Uh, by the way, Eric, did you know that comic books could be political? Uh, apparently, apparently, this is brand not spanking X-Men, new though. news to so not many people. X Men. X Men's uh, never man, been about anything. What are you talking if, about? Uh, the comic and the movie, which would be called woke garbage right now. Yeah, is that? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Eric, I guess experienced this. Uh, revelation before I did seeing it with Brent Simons before me, but yeah, both of us were like, I can't believe that this is happening, that this is on screen, that they, that they're pulling this off in a very earnest and really cool way that also uh, set the tone for, and obviously the Spider-Man movies that came after this were big, but this movie really set the tone for how to deal with all these people with silly characters, with, no one's from space, but you still have yeah. to deal with people who can shapeshift wild superpowers. Mm-hmm. And so to have Wolverine say things like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know, yeah. like calling out what he thinks is dumb because he's cool and he's a loner, like drawing attention to the ridiculous aspects, but then also as a character accepting them eventually 
is basically how the Marvel MCU that uh, has thrived for so long. I mean, it's so funny because comic book movies to this day, yeah, they do that. They do the <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. that's a silly thing. And then they, and then they move on and they, they use the silly name, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, to the point that it's like, uh, I actually thought it's an under, it's actually like an underappreciated little moment I had appreciating this time, which is during the final battle sequence, there's a moment where. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He does say, like, you know, can you hit it, Cyclops? Like, he just uses his, his you know, that, that name in a straightforward way because now he's on the team and he's accepting it, you know? Yeah. So there you go. Um, again, as we do the X-Men movies, the timelines are going to get all mixed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a brief moment, it makes sense. But then... We get two dark phoenixes, and we get a mystique that doesn't make any sense. There's oh, we get multiple angels. I mean, yeah. there is some crazy it's a whole, shit. It's a whole thing where, like, uh, the first thing to start to happen with the prequels uh, is that they retcon characters that we already met in this trilogy, like yeah. Sabretooth and Mystique, and being like, "Oh, it turns out that they actually are super important to the characters. You wouldn't know that from this movie, but." That's because... I mean, Sabretooth gets a little hint here, but not to the extent that that, <laughs> that it will be later. Um, and then let's let's discuss the Brian Singer in the room. Um, because again, separation of art and artist, um, and all the creepiness about Brian Singer that we know, which is but t- to take you to to try to set that aside, to say that he was a very exciting choice for this movie that, you know, usually because he signed to do this movie several years before it actually happened. And because usual suspects was like so great. And it was like, that guy's going to make X-Men. Like it was like, that's, that's incredible. Um, and that, you know, I, I, cause I think, you know, watching, I was just going to say, by the way, I still really dig this movie. Uh, yeah. Yes. I think uh, X2 is even better, but I think that this movie um, really holds up as far as like, and I, cause I know some people now will watch and be like, Eh, it's like we've we've moved on and you know no pun intended they'll be like combo movies have evolved since then which they have and they should but i think that you know you push all that aside and it's like this is still a very solid movie especially because it had to deal with so that's, much it's like yeah, but introducing that's so many be, characters yes introducing the characters introducing like well and it does it by bringing in audience surrogates of course and yeah. so uh I don't know if you remember that when I first started writing screenplays, I wrote comic book screenplays. I wrote yes. two X-Men screenplays. You did? And, uh, I wrote an X-Men one. And in my screenplay, it was Wolverine and Kitty being brought in and sort of being introduced to the X-Men. Uh, obviously, this is not a new thing. I, I didn't come up with this. Uh, Brian Singer didn't come up with this. This is all very much from the comics, especially with Kitty. Uh, but then also, in the years preceding this movie, 
For you mean the pride it, of the X-Men, Kitty? Yeah, the pride of the X-Men. Um, those who didn't read comics, the X-Men still were able to get over super uh, big with with uh, so many people because of the animated series in the 90s. Yeah. And so that was another way that people were introduced to X-Men, maybe exclusively without the comics, yeah. was the X-Men animated series. Including, by the way, Brian Singer, who hadn't read the comics growing up, but then did watch a bunch of the animated series and really liked it. Uh, so he was more familiar with the animated series uh, than, than... But the fact that this took a lot of things from the comics that was very exciting, like just like rogues, like kissing her boyfriend. And, you know, like there was, there's this very specific things that they used and didn't be, they just didn't do what they probably would have done if they made this movie 10 years earlier, which is like make up their own shit, you yeah. know, and not have it be so comic book based, like take the characters and do things that would make us wildly upset with them. Um, this really did ground it. Now, uh, this movie also was at a time in 2000 when they were still using a lot of practical effects, a mix of new computer, you know, generated mm -hmm. special effects, but not as not in the way they do now. Right now, when Magneto lifts those cars up and crashes them down, it would be CG. Yes. These were cars. Mm -hmm. And so when he splits the train open, that was like a set, right? Yeah. Like, like, so there's still really cool concrete elements of this movie because it's a blend. And at a certain point, a few years from this movie, uh, the Wolverine saber tooth fight that happens on the top of the Statue of Liberty at the end would have been CG characters. Mm -hmm. Like right now it's them doing stunts in this sort of CG, maybe background and stuff like that. But like, by the time we get to Daredevil, it's just Daredevil and Bullseye and the top of the church and they are CG. Right. And I think you can say that that's just how the technology was going. Cause if you look at the difference between like the first matrix yes. and then the matrix that came after that, where you would get CG Smith, like Neo Smith's fights, right? Like where they just become animated yeah. and it loses loses its lot of its organic effectiveness anyway um uh, so yeah we so you still get a lot of really cool stunt work in this movie is what i'm saying also though we should mention i mean we should mention there's so much to talk about this movie um and we're just getting including started. that bob hoskins was was once sought out as wolverine yeah <laughs> um but also just um this movie you know going into i mean literally going into it again because brent and i have talked about that night we saw it we were so nervous because also like the, the word of mouth, like the word, not the word of mouth, but like a lot of the, like, you know, the, the trades and all was like not being a lot of very positive about this movie. And a couple things we knew about this movie were it had, I also, I did watch the Brian Singer commentary last night, which I, you know, had watched 20 something years ago, but them talking about how this movie was made while technically, yes, a big budget movie was made on a much more restricted budget than like a movie of this scale was being made at this time. And they mentioned specifically, like, this came out the same summer as, like, The Patriot and um, Mission Impossible 2 and all these movies that had way bigger budgets. Um, Fox was, you know, kind of a little, you know, they, they they didn't know yet that they could spend a lot of money and make a lot of money on a comic book movie. So they are very conservative on their budget. So they had to, you know, do as much as they could with it. Also, this movie was crazy rushed because they decided to move it up from Christmas 2000. And then they felt like they were missing a... Um, they needed another movie summer, summer 20, 2000. So they moved it up and so they had a race to finish this movie. Uh, and so there was a lot of reasons to feel like, oh, this is going to be a rushed movie with a budget that isn't what it should be. It's going to be a mess. It's just not going to work. 
Um, and yeah, there are, uh, you can see some of the seams here. You can see it's funny that on the commentary, they talk about some moments that I didn't love that they said that was supposed to be better, but we couldn't, they wouldn't pay to make like the finish, some of the effects we wanted to do for that sequence. Uh, literally like they just didn't have the money because there was not, and they hadn't, they hadn't proven themselves yet. Um, unlike with the sequel. So yeah, it was just interesting that all that, and then also the writing we should mention, um, there was, so, it was one of those movies that for years, there were so many scripts and even after Singer joined, there were so many scripts and so many big writers worked on this. Um, but some people we should mention, because the script is only credited to David Hayter. Right. Uh, he's the only person who has a screenplay credit on this movie, uh, which is very funny because he's the voice of Solid Snake. Uh, but also he wrote uh, co-wrote the Watchmen movie. But there was a teaser poster for this movie a few months before. And sometimes this happens where they don't have the final credits. And the teaser poster said written by Ed Solomon and Christopher McQuarrie, who by a lot of accounts, their fingerprints are all over this movie. Ed Solomon wrote some of the biggest early drafts um, and Christopher McQuarrie, who of course had already worked with Singer on Usual Suspects. He wrote some of the later drafts. So they played a big part. And then we can talk about the Joss Whedon of it all and his two lines of dialogue when we get to that part of the movie. But he'd written drafts as well. Um, so just, and I'm not even mentioning all the people that had worked on this because a shitload had. Um, yeah, and and so the thing, I think even like there's an element here where we we feel that, uh, especially maybe the third act, like <clears throat> like things didn't go as planned budget wise. Mm -hmm. uh, some things felt a little wonky, but again, so much was filmed in locate, like just seeing Wolverine and Sabretooth fight out in the snow, seeing yeah. like these like places, seeing the X Men like brought to life. Um, in a way we'd never seen before. None of that mattered. Is the mutant making machine of, that Magneto has created silly? Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know how he built it. Again, if they could build uh, Cerebro, I guess he can build that. But um, to be fair, it doesn't work right. <laughs> to be fair, he doesn't know it kills people. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. He doesn't know he's going to kill everyone. Would it matter? Who knows? But I will say that uh, in the way people complain that the Eagles should have carried Sam and Frodo uh, to Mount Doom, they should have just did what they did at the end, which is impersonate the senator with mystique and change the law. And I was like, that seems like a much easier way to do everything. <laughs> true, true, <laughs> fair. Uh, so it's like, and you have mystique there. I feel like she could get a lot of things done in Washington, <laughs> like, like pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's let's dive into the movie again. There's so much we could talk about. Like, there's so much preamble we could do here. Again, also. Patrick Stewart probably being the most famous person in this cast. Yeah, he's he's top build, and he's definitely I think the person who has comes into this with like the most. Yeah, because even we should mention Halle Berry, it, I guess. Yeah, Halle Berry Halle. certainly had had fame, but we should mention Ian McKellen was in no way it's nope. X Men and Lord of the Rings back to back years that will make him a movie star. He was a respected Academy Award nominated actor. Um, but Patrick Stewart was fucking, you know, Captain Picard. So it's like, you know, Ian McKellen, a lot of people going to see X-Men would not have seen Ian McKellen or, or know he was by name going was into this. The, was Gods and Monsters before this? It was, it was. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so was uh, that really good Richard III he did. Oh, he was great. I think that. he that got nominated for that as well. Um, oh, I will mention a funny thing because what you were mentioning earlier. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How this, you know, and still happens, but especially back then because we'd never seen comic book movies for the most part. Not, we'd seen comic book movies, but not these Marvel movies. Um, the idea that people just wanted them to look exactly like they looked in the comic, which still happens. Mm -hmm. But... I remember while so Patrick Stewart was like the home run, right? He was a fan. So a lot of people were worried about Ian McKellen because he was too old and he wasn't buff. And like, yeah, that was this is the crazy. It was the it was the buff thing because he isn't too old. In fact, he's a little younger than Magneto would be to be the right. Age but in is. the comics, it doesn't matter how old he is because he's buff. But, and that's the right? thing because that's in the, the comics, thing, yeah. everyone is buff. So Magneto, an elderly man, is still drawn fuck, and especially in the nineties. We should yeah. mention that, especially in the 90s, where it became like the life felt like the everyone know Hugh Jackman joke was j mega jacked. And so Magneto became more and more under Jim Lee, too, but he became just ripped. So Ian McKellen was generally received as like, oh, he's a great actor for people who knew him. But there was a contingent that said he's not buff enough, which was always to me, even at the time I didn't have social media, but I could still see Internet message boards. I was like. This is so fucking stupid. Like, why are you complaining that this great actor is going to play this character? Right. This what is, does buffness have to do with Magneto's What character? does it have to do with Magneto? I understand that in character? the conflict. It's, just, yeah. it's so stupid to It's like when about. people get it again. It's all the weird thing. And then, you know, you, you sort of teeter over into the racism where it's like, you can't oh, have yeah. a black, black Bruce Wayne. It's like, why? Bruce Wayne's character is... Like his his main crux is that he's rich, not that he's white, right? Like right, it, right. as long as the character is a billionaire, it doesn't matter what race they are. Um, so yeah, yeah. Ian McKellen, I remember being sort of like a big question mark and a lot of people were worried about Hugh Jackman was the big one because the casting of Wolverine had been debated about for, you know, 15 years mm -hmm. who could play Wolverine. And they would always just be like, um, yeah, so that was the thing. Well, well, I will always remember when Wizard Magazine, which was a magazine that covered comic books, did their fan casting for an X-Men movie a few years before this. Um, they, it was Glenn Danzig as Wolverine. And Iman, the model, has Storm again because it doesn't matter that Glenn Danzig hadn't acted. No, it doesn't matter that they're actors; they just have to look like it. It's crazy. Um, the fact that Glenn Danzig also was considered for the role is is, is silly. Um, but man, uh, yeah. So they got some some great actors. So we got Halle Berry, uh, who again was probably the other most famous people person in this. Uh, you know movie career all throughout the the 90s from boomerang to the mm -hmm. flintstones to, to a lot of things when was monsters ball uh was that after, after this? this because because they mentioned on the commentary because they're making x2 at the time she won that but between x-men one and two yeah and then uh and then we got famke jansen who, who came to uh who sort of had a breakout role in goldeneye that was like mm -hmm. her big thing but she was in movies all through the 90s james martin marsden and one of his many many thankless roles as like the other guy like for years right. started kind of uh or with like his was bill really pulmony like, uh yeah career. headlining here as as scott summer's cyclops but, but we uh we remembered uh from disturbing behavior has an actor do you remember our conversations about him being uh we we stereotyped him because he was so chiseled and good looking we assumed he wouldn't be a good actor we thought, oh, he's one of those like Abercrombie models who can't act. And then we saw the movie and we go, hey, that guy was pretty good. We were like, that guy was better than we expected. Him I don't be. remember this at all, but I'm glad Oh, you, you know, said this, that. I remember I... us having this when we were roommates. Um, and then we should mention that 
another person, the person who gets the prestige credit, gets the and, is Anna Paquin because she's she an was Oscar an Academy winner. Award winner. Yeah, she, she already had an Oscar. She, yeah, like, um, she's like, here, look, Sir Ian McKellen, look at right. my Academy Award. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, uh, and then uh, Tyler May and his saber tooth. We didn't know who he was, but uh, he's very uh, relevant to We Enjoy because he was Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie movies. Yep, he was mega buff, <laughs> giant Michael Myers. Uh, Ray Park also at this point uh, was a uh, pretty, Just pretty a year big off. deal. Yeah, because pretty Phantom big Menace. deal because of the Phantom Menace. Uh, also getting to speak in his real voice, which he rarely gets to do. Mm-hmm. And I think we already we also knew who Rebecca Romaine well, was. She was just fair i mean because supermodels were such a thing so yeah yeah she she and we you know we'll talk as we talk about the movie about you know she kind of was a breakout from this because you know she made a real she had a real presence yeah this gave her her movie career there's a reason right? she's the only one of the brotherhood besides magneto that's in the sequel it's like she really kind of stood out and to yeah. the point now where she's like a part of star trek in a huge way so yep. yeah okay rebecca all right that's me listing people i'm sure i missed a few don't we'll get to uh, that. don't worry. <laughs> okay yeah the big one was hugh jackman who all of us were like huh and then we were like he was fucking great like after we saw yeah. this movie and, and um um at this point um you know obviously super great shape but he is not a, in buff muscular shape that he will become later on as wolverine yeah. and of course movies. famously uh a last minute casting because doug ray scott uh because mission impossible 2 went so over schedule and he was originally cast and would not be done to f- do this movie and so uh, one of the most sort of serendipitous things ever, as far as Hugh Jackman, this unknown getting cast while they were in production, because this was a race um, to come in and have play this role that he's still playing 24 years later. Uh, Viggo Mortensen was also considered, mm-hmm. uh, just so you know. Okay. Uh, this movie. Okay, yeah. So it starts off with this voiceover of this Professor X talking about mutants, giving us the lay of the land. Uh, instead of a crawl or words on screen, we hear him talk and then we go into the uh, molecular uh, centric opening credits with the music. Uh, before we get to, yeah, the, okay. So from the first scene, we knew that this was like very different for a comic book movie. Like the, yeah. the Auschwitz scene uh, that opens this is so well done and so like serious and heart-wrenching that were like oh my god they they actually did the magneto backstory they did it yeah because like, this was his well, backstory in the comics it. and this was yeah. something i would kind of you know when you know this was a you know uh petulant young comic book fan thing you would pull out when people were like oh comic books aren't about anything you'd be like magneto is a holocaust survivor and they'd be like who what the fuck are you saying um but this fact that this was the backstory that it just felt like because we're coming off of like the Schumacher Batman movies and like steel and just all this stuff that's super, not even, I'm not even saying the fact that they weren't good. I'm just saying it's like everything was so heightened with these movies at this point. The fact that this movie is like fucking Nazis, like, you know, like this is like, uh, yeah. and not, not Families can, being ripped apart yeah. in death camps and his, his burgeoning mutant powers, like bending the gate and he's screaming like the kids in anguish. And it's mm-hmm. like really, really powerful. And this is how the movie starts. And this is also like giving you, uh, you know, as far as like understanding the villain's backstory, that's the, we get that before we get any of the heroes. We get like his motivation for like, basically a, you know, the one thing that, you know, and Marvel does it now too, which is like, you've got the villain who's right. 
but then they do the thing where they go too far where they, yeah. they bend it just too far to the point where their, like they their methods are wrong yeah which is that to say like it's one thing for him to rage against the racists and the hatred that is sort of like he's feeling against mutant kind but then it's another for him to be like we are we need to kill everyone because mutants are the the basically becoming who he hates which is like we are superior uh so he went too far the other way which is yeah. to say we're not equals we are better now and, and, it's, and it's kind of his revenge against humanity so and you know you were you were, you know we were joking about the people who like you know can somehow amazingly be like star trek's never had politics x-men's never had politics but yeah x-men being a comic that was very on the surface you know uh, about something I put in air quotes because it was always about this sort of uh, um, you know very big analogy for uh, racism or homophobia or any like you know any just, any form of like prejudice and bigotry, you are different right? yeah. thus we do not like you um, it's always been part of the comic book from the very very beginning uh, we could talk about the semantics of like why people um, in Marvel where there's a million superheroes. Why they, like they don't hate Spider-Man. Why do they hate, they, yeah, they hate, yeah, but they hate him specifically. Like, well, they don't know Spider-Man wasn't born right, with right, his right. powers. That's the thing. They don't <laughs> know he's not a mutant. It's just a weird divide that they right. have. But sort of created, X-Men yeah. was always, always about that. Um, and, and they would lean into it more as the comic books matured. And that's when they would be like, hey, uh, because we didn't know Magneto's uh, backstory for a couple decades. And then when they revealed it, um, it was like, oh, like, you know, let's make this, this all makes sense. Like a character who was already hated because he was different for, you know, a specific reason now grows up to be different, but he has these powers and what will he do? Uh, kind I of mean, and they do, they did do it. They, you know, with mutants aside from people, you know, aside from like Kitty or Cyclops who just gets to wear cool racist reflective glasses or, you know, something like that. Mutants could look different. You could yeah. be Beast. You could be Leech. You could be. You could actually physically look different, like Nightcrawler or something like that. So they they had that element to it, like um, for like why you wouldn't like you know Spider Man doesn't have a tail. So it's kind of like right. maybe that's sort of the the. Uh... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, the point they're trying to get over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you start off with this scene. And it's just really, really intense. And it's filmed, uh, and it's not black and white, but it's filmed in this super sort of washed out color. Yeah. By the way, that everything is shot like now. Everything I watch, Eric, looks like this. I don't know what the fuck's happening in Hollywood or TV <laughs> and movies, but I don't know where color went. I'm watching the new season of Fargo. I'm like, why is everything in super soft lighting? Why the, Fargo didn't used to look like this. It's it's crazy. I don't know why 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 everything. I watched Equalizer three, and I'm like, why why is everything 
gray. What is happening? Like it's <laughs> right. Italy. It's supposed to look beautiful. Okay. Uh, use color, everyone. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he, and this is, uh, and we go right from that to jumping decades later to modern day Mississippi. Uh, or the near future. Yeah. <laughs> Mississippi. Wait, what year is it supposed to be? Well, they don't say. It, it just says the near future. Remember, that's like, you know, it says it says, okay. says on the screen. Uh, we assume it's 2000. It may not be. Who knows? No, no. It, I'm saying in 2000, it's the near future, Matt. <laughs> so 2001. It's taking place in 2001. Uh, and then, uh, so Rogue basically talking about how she wants to travel around the world. She wants to probably escape Mississippi. Uh, her name's Marie. We don't really know why her name's Rogue. <laughs> Again, we just find it. We don't know why his name's Wolverine. Uh, but they both are able to call out the ridiculousness of their monikers. Again, that's one of the things that this movie sort of set up for other super movie, yeah. superhero movies to come. But she does the thing, the Rogue origin story, kissing her boyfriend. He goes into a coma. Unfortunately, it's one of the things... It's something that we kind of see in the boys these days in Gen V, mm. which is like your power coming out and actually doing super duper harm to your yeah, yeah. parents or loved ones. And it always has been in the comics that when she kissed this first boy, he happened to fall into a coma and never came out. And yeah. so it's like she basically killed this guy. And, with her and again, inadvertently. Yeah. I just just like how this movie is establishing we're not going to be a silly superhero movie. You know, you don't get more establishing that than the first scene with fucking the, the Auschwitz. But even the second scene, if this had been the first scene, it plays like a horror movie, right? Yeah, it's like, you know, that that this thing happens uh, where this like sweet moment turns into something. Her first kiss turns into this awful thing uh, instead. And uh, it's very effective. And then we get to one of the most politically relevant in 2024 scenes in the movie, which is the like the hearing in Washington with the Senator uh, Kelly played by Bruce Davidson, who is going like, uh, you know, mutants are dangerous. Do we want our children to be in school with mutants or be taught by mutants? Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, this would now be called um, the, the MCU garbage woke uh, rubbish or something <laughs> like that anyway. But like, this is the point where it's like, this is racism. This is uh, prejudice on a high level. And this uh, Senator is evil and uh, we want bad things to happen to him. And they do. So that's great. Uh, everything works out. Everything comes up Millhouse. But yeah, this is when we're introduced to big players. We were introduced to Jean Grey, who we know, and we're like, hey, we know what she can do. But this speaking it uh, to um, basically the house here, uh, I don't even know if they know if she has powers, but she's sort of the, the public facing representative of mutant kind, I guess. Right, right. Not even like Charles Xavier's school, but just like on behalf of mutants, here is mm. Jean Grey. And in the rafters sort of looming is Magneto. And and uh, um, because he doesn't have his helmet on, uh, Charles knows he's there. And they have that great sort of talk. And uh, with the Excellent. great quote... Yeah, we are the future, Charles, not them. Uh, yeah, but that that yeah, great scene again, like two powerhouse actors, obviously, but um, tonally, I think this movie does look cool. And uh, first of all, we should mention that uh, just that awesome location. Um, I just uh, Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto is where they're um, they that that hallway where they're uh have that conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, that yes. does not look like any part of Washington, but yeah, <laughs> so. yes. Um, but yeah, this is all all filmed in Canada, but hey, that's where Wolverine's from. But um, yeah, they um, great scene, 
Um, and yeah, totally just this movie just really quickly establishing stuff. Um, I, on the commentary, they did mention how the there was versions of the script because this movie has to do a lot in these opening scenes. We haven't even we haven't gotten to Wolverine yet, but you know, very quickly it's trying to introduce us to all these characters, this world, what it means to be a mutant, why it's a you know politicized you know, confrontational thing. Uh, I guess there were versions of the script where they would have also done introductions for Cyclops and Storm that I think would have been like sort of origin. I'm sure it would have been a version of this, you know, scene we actually get in a later movie of Cyclops's powers first manifesting and stuff like that. Um, but except, yeah. except that the character, yeah, except that the characters in this movie have already like been, te- they're, they're like ex-students at this point who have been raised yeah. and reared by Charles Xavier. So they're but like also, the elders like, and also teachers, right? I, I, I think to the movie's credit, because it is doing a, it already is like, multiple intros in a row but it, i think it works but i can see them being like that's a couple too many um and all the information doesn't need to be repeated that like they did say it was kind of a late ad having the patrick stewart voiceover at the beginning just yeah. to kind of establish here's our starting point um and i think by removing those scenes putting in the voiceover um it all works because these sort of i we should say four scenes in a row because we haven't gotten to wolverine yet um, but these uh, little Easter egg here, even though she's technically in the background in the movie, the little Easter egg here of Senator Kelly saying a girl in Illinois who can walk through walls. And you have to understand we were creaming our jeans. Uh, yeah, we were, like, like they just referenced Kitty Pride. Like, you know, it was like, holy shit. Um, we were, I mean, we still geek out over, you know, references to things and all, but especially at this point, just like the fact that we were, cause we, you know, Kitty had not been advertised as a part of this movie at all um and so yeah just the fact that she was even when we see her so the fact that like later like uh jubilee was easy to spot right yeah like doesn't have any lines in this movie but she's in the classes and stuff Mm -hmm. but as you go on you like oh like you see the casting that's supposed to be kitty you Mm -hmm. don't see her do power so you don't know that and then briefly you're supposed to see colossus he's drawing a sketch uh, he's if you oh, know you the do, character, you do see kitty use her powers <laughs> oh she goes to the wall okay yeah yeah but then know. but then um uh Peter's out there doing his drawing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But very, very quickly as the scene uh, opens, as they're sort of showing us the campus of the school. So there, there's what they've done is they've taken a lot of these X-Men characters and they're like, this is the old guard, already the old guard. And these are the new kids uh, who will one will take over for them or join them when they get older as they mm-hmm. grow up. Because then the, the one who's got an actual character in this movie is Bobby. Uh, right. Iceman. And the one who sort of talks to Rogue um, and sort of flirts with her and would will become a thing in later movies. But yeah, um, no one else really gets involved or, uh, you know, we don't hear in any of the other uh, students chatted up in any way. Right, right. Uh, okay, so then basically all we know is Magneto's plotting something. You know what it is? He's just like, don't get in my way. He's like, don't get in my way. He's going to do something. We don't know what it is. He's had it with with humanity. He's heard these arguments before. Mankind has evolved into us. Don't get in my way. And then we go to Canada, where now we catch up with someone we've met already. So Rogue. Yeah. We're like, Our hey, I know her. character. It's Rogue, right. and she's doing stuff. I know her, and she's hitchhiking, and she um, is uh, in a place called Laughlin City. And she's not like looking for Wolverine or any mutants. She's just on the run. She doesn't know what she's going to do, but she happens to cross paths with Wolverine because he is in uh, this sort of sleepy, snowy Canadian town doing cage fights. Uh, 
full-on cheating because uh he is using <laughs> regenerative regenerative powers along with his a, metal skeleton a, yeah i was gonna say the metal skeleton also yeah <laughs> uh really cool and again for us the intro to wolverine pitch perfect we didn't know who jackman was but it was great uh, and again, again it huge... was so, so important for us again because look you and i aren't fully innocent when it comes to this stuff but like did he need to have the hair no um but he did and we were really excited about it no you know? yeah but but we should mention that they had to deal with you know what well, they didn't have to deal with it but it was a thing that the fans would have to process in their own ways which is he's a tall man and wolverine is specifically supposed to be a short character he's supposed to be like shorter than all the other x-men basically and again uh, we we're still caught up in that now that's why so many people want daniel radcliffe to be wolverine because he's right, short right he's short that's why they want it like and they yeah, hair on his chest and that's it like it doesn't matter if he would make a good wolverine or not right he, right he um, is the shape of wolverine that's all people <laughs> which is my favorite guillermo del toro movie <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, Hugh Jackman just yeah, such a quick impression. You know, you're just making this impression as a character that yeah, you know, Wolverine you know was such a blow you know character from the comics that really kind of broke out. He he kind of you know did take over the comics. He became like the the sort of marquee star of it. And just uh, like he, just like Wolverine took over the just, movies, just like the movies. Uh, and it's actually more gratuitous in the movies because uh, they really don't spread the wealth. And we'll talk about it as we go on. But. Um, yeah, that first scene with him, he just has the attitude, he has the feel, he has the hair, but you know, whether he needed it or not. Um, and yeah, it just uh it all is like just super, super cool. Um, little uh super Easter egg or eggy thing is that the the trucker who um drives who uh Rogue was driving with, uh who's then later seen in the bar a couple times, is the voice of Beast on the animated series. Uh I don't even think he did any movies before this, did he? Maybe. I can't. Maybe he did TV stuff. Um, he's Australian. He's his heart lies in musical theater. Oh, you're talking about so Hugh Jackman? Like, I thought you were talking about the voice of Beast. I was very no, confused. no, I'm, I'm back yeah. to Hugh Jackman. I don't give yeah. a shit about. No, that. yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he's a musical theater guy, and uh, yeah, he uh, he never gave that up either. Um, no, still Song and Dance Broadway, but, but this made him a movie star. This made him a movie star, like yeah. not just as Wolverine, but in other movies. So yeah, um, and then yeah, so he beats up these this guy in the cage. We get to see like. It, like he blocks a punch with his fist and then he winds up winning with a headbutt. Uh, but also I just I just want to mention because we're talking about the cage fight, just like the attitude, the look, like when he after the fight, when he sits down and he's at the he's bar, got the cigar. He's got yeah, the cigar. He... It's just like, man, they fucking nailed it. Like it just yeah. it, especially because the movie um is gonna not, you know, and again, yes, if they made this movie today, um, they wouldn't be so shy about having them wear costumes like the comic books. Again, people, I don't think, I think they were right in 2000 that people weren't going to be into that. But also it's like the fact no, that Logan, we, we were in the, we were in the thrills of cyberpunk. We were yes. like Matrix. We were like, everything's black mm -hmm. and cool. And you wear these shades. And, yeah. and Bl Blade even. But yeah, um, the fact that Logan looks like Logan meant so much. Like it was like, yeah, that he exuded everything he needed to exude. As and then we get the claw scene. So we get the guys yeah. realizing that uh, he's not quite human. And that they used uh, some special abilities to beat them. Uh, there's no way anyone's skull is that hard. And they try to get their money. But then uh, he um, pulls out, basically um, pulls out his 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 claws. And it's like, that's the, uh, again, we're all talking about these Wolverine moments that we just can't wait for. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
they break through we see them break through his skin and he cuts a guy's gun in half um but you know he doesn't kill anyone so uh technically he does really st- he stabs uh himself but also someone else he just doesn't kill them he doesn't get to kill anyone with his claws until the next movie <laughs> but and that was that's another thing with like especially coming off of like the 90s animated series he definitely tries to kill mystique <laughs> i know i know i'm that. saying she just lives yeah, yeah but like him and leonardo and like Raphael have so much <laughs> like <laughs> so much cutting up robots and cartoons with the oh, blades yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because you can't kill anyone with them and you but you've got these lethal instruments that you just can't use because it's cartoons. Right. Um, and, and so it wasn't fully that way with this movie, but they really the claws come out more in the second movie. OK. Um, and then this is how he meets Rogue. Rogue sitting there just drinking water and she sort of like warns him that he's about to be attacked. And but then uh, he decides to leave and she stows away in his little traveling um caravan which is he's got like a little trailer attached to uh where i guess he sleeps in the back of his camper and it's a mess but yeah their dialogue is great uh the fact that like he is a softy but he's mostly he's gruff at first and he's Mm -hmm. gonna like try to push you away and uh it again i just remember being so overjoyed with everything that they were saying like she's trying to like uh latch on to him and he's like i don't care uh it's all great Good stuff. Uh, the and then of course the uh, uh, does it hurt every time about the fact you know with his claws, which is like a great thing about like you know it's just like using his. It's not. I, I realize it's not his mutant powers, dorks, my fellow dorks. Uh, but yeah, popping those claws, which are very cool for us, uh, physically hurts this guy every time he does it. Um, and also we should mention that it's like they did an interesting thing because in the comic books, um, Wolverine, this relationship with Wolverine and the sort of mentor father figure he has with this teenage girl in the comic books he first had with Kitty Pride, and then mm-hmm. in the 90s it was Jubilee. It was he Jubilee. never really had it with Rogue, uh, but it is a relationship dynamic we're familiar with uh, Wolverine in the comics. They just gave it to Rogue. Uh, in the and time. it's funny because it's a relationship dynamic that A, will has spread all through the past 20 years, which is we're seeing yes. it now in The Last of Us. And of course, Logan, which Logan. is the reluctant surrogate dad or older brother, would or super prote- focus it or yeah. protector, right? Um, which is like the guy who, with a closed heart, who finds mm-hmm. someone who, you know, a, a child that, you know, makes him feel again. Usually um, a girl. It's almost always a man. Or usually a daughter. Girl, usually yeah. a daughter. Uh, a, a dystopian wasteland daughter. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but yeah, then we get the big first action moment aside from the Auschwitz scene in this movie, which is. The fight in the snow. As soon as soon as as soon as she says you should wear your seatbelt, uh, a tree falls down and he crashes right through the windshield. It's not so much a fight. Like Wolverine really gets his ass kicked there and knocked out pretty quick. Yes. We get our introduction to Sabretooth, but then in to save the day is Storm and Cyclops, and she makes it snow harder. <laughs> and, that's and, the, and 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 we will, so here's a couple things I'll say, which is like yeah, one um, this movie. Um, yeah, not, not, not a lot we'll talk about. There is a couple exceptions, but not a lot of the action is that great in this movie. Um, but it's funny that they'll still have these beats. Like, yeah, because Sabretooth hits him, and I do really like that when he lands and he's passed out, his claws retract. Um, there's the clever little things like that. Now, where they really, the thing that is kind of the most eye-rolling, uh, certainly watching it now, is Storm is like so powerful in the comics. I mean, she can control the weather. She can, but in this movie, it's like, 
she makes it snow and lightning bolts are her one big thing. Yeah, uh, so it's, 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 it's very you, funny. I'll it's tell you who really controls the weather, Eric. The government, and that's my other podcast that I'm talking. Oh no, no. Um, um, but I, th- I thought the same thing. It's like it's snowing. It's like it's snowing more. It's like oh my god, visibility is terrible. Yeah, I don't know if she's if she's considered an alpha level mutant, but she yeah, Storm's super powerful, and in this, uh, I don't think they knew what to do with uh, yes. weather girl, weather girl, yes. uh, or her character again. Psych, uh, Wolverine is such a focus here. Wolverine, and then by extension, Rogue, uh, yeah. and then Jean because he flirts with Jean mm-hmm. becomes sort of a, a aside from Professor X introducing us to everyone, uh, Cyclops and uh, Storm. And this is how the the movies generally go too, are sort of left out in the uh, the cold, as it were. Uh, and then it's a shame that Rogue eventually gets left out in the cold too. Yeah. They never Although, can quite figure well, out what to do with Rogue. As we talk further, I mean, I actually, I, while it is a smaller role in this movie, I think Cyclops feels really well done as far as like a he's got some point. fun. Well, he's got some fun moments with Wolverine. As a, yeah, as, a, as far as a starting point, he's got, um, he's got like a uh, Professor X is in a coma speech, but yeah, like, and just yeah, the, and and the and the back and forth. Um, whereas Storm is the one character that just didn't feel like they got like you know, it's like she just doesn't really feel like maybe Iman should have played this. Role. Maybe Iman should have played her. Uh, yeah, Halle Berry, who's obviously a great actress, she doesn't seem like to have like found a center of this character. And the depict, you know, the writing of it is just like there's not a lot to storm in this movie. Um, versus Cyclops, right? I would just still say like the Colonel is there, um, you know, that made me excited for what was to come. Uh, dot dot dot. He said ominously, but right. um, but yeah. Uh, Cyclops is not a Colonel, by the way. He's he's <laughs> not even in the army. Uh, then we get basically from there because they defeat, they sort of chase off Sabretooth. Sabretooth returns back to Magneto's hideout, uh, which is the, the lair of the Brotherhood of Mutants. We don't meet Mystique yet, but Toad is there spraying metal. And he's like, aren't you, weren't you supposed to bring someone back? So he's giving Sabretooth shit. So here's the mini mystery of the movie is that we, and then the other characters assume that Sabretooth was after Magneto. And the twist is that he's after Rogue. You mean after, uh, after Wolverine? Who did I say? You Magneto. said Magneto. Yeah, yeah Sabretooth is after Wolverine, yeah. or Magneto wants Wolverine for yes. some purpose, yeah. probably to join the Brotherhood. Uh, he really wants Rogue because he wants to use her powers uh, to power this machine. Uh, um, I kind of wish in the middle of the movie, one of, I think Professor X is even like, perhaps it's not Wolverine he's after. He gives it away before they actually realize it. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't have even said that, but <laughs> uh, it doesn't change their minds. Fortunately, they still think it's all about Wolverine. And uh, yeah, this is when. But he's the most get... popular X Men professor. It's, it's like he's like him. he's clearly he's like we just met him. You'll see, you'll see how popular he is. We none of us will have lines in a few movies. It's going to be takeover. <laughs> um, I, I also want to say that um, you just mentioned uh, that little moment with Toad and Sabretooth. And I just want to say just how important little moments can be because it's not like the Brotherhood has some deep characterization. It's not like we know what motivates Toad. Um, but I was thinking about not to shit on Rebel Moon, but I just—I was going to say, you know, it doesn't have little little moments. Rebel Moon. I was that's exactly about like, to say that yeah. where the the heroes don't get any interplay as far as like you know what do these two how do these two characters interact so just to have the fact that toad is like this smaller guy compared to sabertooth is openly giving him shit 
um, with sarcastically and Sabretooth growling back at him. That's enough. It's like, okay, yeah. you know, we get this. We get, you know. The, and then, the you know, who else gives some shit? Magneto. Sabretooth takes a lot of shit in this he movie. He does take a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, Magneto and Sabretooth have a very Gandalf-Pippin relationship, yeah. which is like, why you keep fucking up? Get out of my sight. But we, I, I, to counter, to uh, to uh, argue something you said earlier, though, they definitely were setting up something with Sabretooth and Wolverine here, right? Like the dog tags are important yes. yeah. to Sabretooth. Uh, he he makes sure to grab them again after Magneto looks them over. He takes them again. So there was this like dum 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 like what's, what's so what we're dealing with also we'll find out when he talks to Professor X is that Wolverine has no memory. So yeah. that would make sense on his part why he wouldn't know the, who the hell this yeah. guy is. Sabretooth though, if we need more from him as far as like uh, we meet again or something, or maybe yeah. he knows he has amnesia or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, they have a you know uh, big past that'll get referenced in a mm-hmm. different movie uh, with different actor. So then we've got, uh, um, I really like that Magneto has uh, his uh, independently metal balls clacking on his desk, <laughs> yeah. uh, like he's in a, a, a 80s office and he's just been to um, Brookstone or I'm trying to think of that place <laughs> in the mall that sold that right, shit. Right, right. Uh, so he's got his metal clacking balls and he uses his his powers again these little moments where you can use uh practical things to just do again uh magneto's powers are invisible except for what he does to the metal so you you don't need cgi for all that stuff all Mm -hmm. the time just takes his dog tack off of his neck gives him shit but then we've got um uh all this background news about this UN summit that's going to happen on Ellis Island. Uh, all these delegates, like 200 delegates from around the world are coming in. This is what we'll find out Magneto is targeting and his machine is going to make them all into mutants. What he doesn't realize is it's going to make them all into water and they're going right. to they're all gonna be I'll say this, if I ever saw Halle Berry in real life, I'd kind of disintegrate too. You know oh. what I'm saying? <laughs> She's attractive. Okay. She is, um, she is. Then, okay, so then uh, Wolverine wakes up in uh, being tended to by hot nurse Jean Grey. Uh, so he's she's a, she is a doctor, man. <laughs> hot doctor Jean Grey. That's telekinesis, Kyle. She like uses her powers to like get mm-hmm. her uh, like some of her medical instruments. But then he wakes up as he usually does in sheer night terror version, like violent. He, I don't know, does he? Always wake up like in a rage, like, like he's just because uh, he like grabs her by the neck and doesn't know where he is, and then he's running shirtless down the halls. Finally, I'm glad before he gets out in front of the little children, he puts a jacket on, a hoodie on. Uh, we should uh, say uh, it's funny because yes, it is two two things can be the true at the same time. So it is funny that like as this series goes on. Hugh Jackman will get buffer and buffer playing Wolverine in kind of a sign of the times of like, you know, to play these superheroes, you need to be as buff as possible. But there's also the fact that he was cast literally weeks into production. So he just didn't have time to get as buff as he probably would have for this first movie. And they, you know, he was still trying to like work out like desperately, you know, while they're making it because he's just, he's a, he's a song and dance man. Who's now suddenly playing Wolverine. Um, uh, oh, but also I want to mention that uh, production design because, the 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 hallways the x-men kind of headquarters underneath the mansion um they're so distinct and like you know they've become very much like movie iconic sets and yeah uh, open uh welcome professor and that door and yes these movies will like lean into all that but it's like i think that they were just really well designed and there's a reason that they um, sort of stuck around for so long 
Uh, not that our excitement for this movie ever waned while we were watching it back in 2000, but like we're we're right now at the like final like oh my god he's gonna meet professor like the you know the yeah. final like the school like here's the Charles Xavier School for the Gifted, and so when he leaves that area and uh, you know sort of the the underneath of the school um, it's Pizzagate. Uh, he he gets out into the we see the students running around and so he's really really confused at this point A he thinks he's been taken prisoner by like nefarious soldiers or something and he comes out and it's just the school with a lot of kids going to class and they're running and playing and they're happy uh, not any not like any teenagers I know but um, <laughs> yeah so then he really doesn't know what's going on and this is when uh, Professor X who we've already met but then he comes up and then Gives him the rundown. Like he's got to do a lot of exposition. Well, this is when we get the, the yeah, they get the classroom scene. We get the Jubilee and Kitty Pride running. Um, thanks, you know, uh, goodbye, Kitty. Her name is said. And, and like, and like these are, these are Storm and Cyclops. They act as teachers here too. And, but then and, it's and also, a lot of exposition. But then we, like we already mentioned, Wolverine with his cutting remarks, you know, will will sort of draw attention to the absurdity of it all. Yeah. And, you know, and breaks up the monotony of like what is a very long explanation. It's kind of like, and the kids have called us X Men. I'm like, I don't think that's where the name comes from. But that's fine. You yeah, yeah. Just, that's pretty convenient, Charles Xavier. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I, uh, yeah, I, I really, it's like, I, I legitimately, because I really like, um, I really like Cyclops as a character in the comics who's kind of part of his deal is like, he's like, you know, got a stick in his ass and he's like, he's the boy scout. He's, you know, he's like, you know, the number one student, the uh, uh, thing. But I, I felt like in this movie, it's like, I really like these little beats. Like, um, you know, the, I really like that moment where uh, when Logan tries to leave and he, you know, physically grabs Scott and just the the way Marsden plays it, where he kind of looks him up and down, and then looks past him to Charles, almost in a like, should I fuck this guy up? Like Cyclops is like, yeah, the yeah. look he gives him is like, should I fuck this guy up? I just thought all that stuff was like really, you know, again, for a character who's definitely a small supporting character in this movie, I thought it's like, oh, this this feels right. This feels like Cyclops, you know, uh, all those things they were doing with him. Yeah, Mars is great. Apparently, uh, you and I decided this after we saw Disturbing Behavior, uh, yes, which yes. I don't recall. I, I mean, I remember that we saw the movie. I don't remember this this post uh, uh, mortem <laughs> dialogue. Is our, this our, guy too handsome to be good at? I don't remember our, our long fireside Marsden chats. No one with cheekbones that good can be a good actor. So, uh, well, you know, look, uh, we we're, we eat our words all the time. Mads Mikkelsen exists. Okay, yeah. so. Uh, okay, then we've got, and look, when he says, what do they call you, wheels? Uh, all of our fucking, like, you know that owl gif of like, it's like, what? <laughs> the head spins around. It's right. like, <laughs> we were like, what? He just, we, what did he just say to Professor X? You know, like. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> look, we loved it. Okay. Yeah. And then then now, because uh, Professor X can get into your mind and, and uh, fuck around with you. He knows, basically, he's like, look, Logan, um, he assumes Magneto wanted him. So he's like, hey, stay here. Let me figure out the Magneto problem. And I can also help you out with your amnesia. And he's like, what's it been about 15 years? You have no memory of who you are. Let us find out who you are and what your deal is. Maybe we'll find out why Magneto was after you. And this is when they also get into like 
finding the weapon X of it all more again, like you said, this movie like tackles so much with all these characters. Yeah. It's right to focus on just a few while including everyone, but like you gotta, you gotta rein it in. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is probably where a lot of people who comic casuals don't realize yet. Uh, As you mentioned it already, Wolverine's powers are not his claws are not his metal skeleton. They were given to him because his powers are regeneration and that he could survive surgery it, that it was involved to coat his entire skeleton, including his skull yeah. and everything with adamantium. And so he became weapon X. He became even more powerful than he was before because of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then all this time, so he, he agrees to sort of stay and undergo some tests and stuff like that. Uh, Gene's a big part of that, I guess. And then at the same time, we cut back to the Brotherhood's lair. And this is when uh, they've kidnapped Senator Kelly. And this is when, uh, so we meet Mystique for the first time. This is very important. And uh, we don't we lo- know this till later, but she's actually killed Henry Guyrich, a very important comic book character. He is, who is although, guess- and, and who also, by the way, much more important to Avengers than X-Men in the comics. Um, it is funny these days when everyone is so hyper aware of like who has the rights to what. And, you know, obviously by the time the MCU is around, we were so mad that they didn't have the X-Men and Spider-Man. Uh, it's like funny that now that would be like, now people would care like who got Henry Peter Gyrick. But, uh, you know, it's like, why is he not saved for an Avengers movie? Who got to get, who gets to kill Henry Gyrick off screen and right. then duplicate him as Mystique? Uh, while Toad flies the chopper and kidnaps Senator Kelly. By the way, Mystique flies the chopper at the end too. All of, uh, that's Magneto's one criteria, I think, is like everyone, all my underlings must be able to fly a helicopter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so she basically kidnaps him and it's a great introduction to this character and, you know, her line about like people like you are the reason I was afraid to go to school. Again, uh, comic books aren't about anything, Eric. Uh, and and so. it also goes to show you, <laughs> Mystique's funny because as much as like we get the super comic book purist, you need to match everything perfectly. Um, two things will nullify that. Uh, if something is legit cool and they just have to admit it's cool and, you know, hot naked girls. So yeah. Mystique is a great example of both because in the comics, she was not this like super no. physical um, fighter. She's just a shapeshifter. Um, and she didn't look the same because she wore a white dress. She wasn't naked. Um, so A, they changed it so she doesn't wear clothes. And B, they also just make her this physical fighter. And it all obviously from Pekka Romain, guess what, has an amazing body. But it just worked as like a, like the way she uses her feet and the way she moves. Uh, it made, it was such a presence. And, you know, it really, it made it, it work. And people were not complaining that she didn't match the comics. Also, she's supposed to be Nightcrawler's mom, I think. And mm-hmm. so, again, we're just sort of this is this is a you know the, you know what they just did in the comics, Matt. With what her, they just did? No, yeah, they just did something that Chris Claremont always wanted to do, but they was not they were not okay at back in the day. But they finally these days okayed it. And of course, some people are guess what uh, angry and screaming woke, even though it wasn't even a new idea. It was from the eighties. Uh, they revealed. Um, that Mystique is not his mom. She is his father because she impregnated Destiny. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Because who are how, had already been established as a couple that was alluded to for a long time. They were finally allowed to say no, they were a lesbian couple. 
but that what Claremont always intended to do, and now they said is like, hey, she's a shapeshifter. Guess what? Uh, they wanted a baby, <laughs> and so she. So Frank. So shapeshifting is always fascinating to me yeah. because it's like just as lore as a power in not just Marvel but like any story, any supernatural story, as far as like how far does the shapeshifting go? So it's like if you could turn into a, a yes. biologically a man, it's like do you have actual, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, sperm that can create babies mm-hmm. uh, and then taking it as far as like if she shapeshifts into Wolverine how does she have adamantium right, right. So it, it, which she doesn't because he, he cuts her claws yeah, yeah. it's just inter- so yeah it's interesting like uh, uh, shapeshifting is one of those ultra powers where it's like I mm-hmm. understand somebody who shoots lasers out of their eyes What I don't know why I can understand that shapeshifting takes a little more uh, switching off your brain a little bit because you're kind of like, wait a second. Uh, how does her body know what that body has? <laughs> right, you know, right, like, because right. <laughs> is she also telepathic? Like, how does she know how to read? The, how she can she copy the body without like taking a piece of the body or something? I don't right, know. Right. It's weird. It's, right. it, I understand if you're a shapeshifter on a surface level, right? Like a scroll yeah. sort of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think it goes deeper than just the physical appearance, but hers is like, everything so yes yes uh yeah also she's cool and she's a cool fighter so again i actually do like the action in this movie when it comes down to and again we'll get into this in x2 more the hand-to-hand one-on-one combat like so the the mystique wolverine fight is the best action in this movie uh because they're still trying to figure out how a how to use the their powers in battle Mm-hmm. which is like, how do you use these powers effectively in a cool way in a battle against other people with powers? B, how do we do the effects for them in a way? And what can we do? Maybe that limits what they can do. Right. And uh, the final thing is like, um, yeah, like what, what, like how to make it interesting. Like, like what, what can you do? Two people duking it out. We can do, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like really cool stunt choreography, but finding a way to make these powers work. And again, by the time we get to like the first Avengers movie, we've figured it out. Like we figured out how right. how to use an ensemble with powers, uh, which is the pinnacle of which is the the Battle of Endgame. But yeah, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this is where it all starts, and it's a little choppy. It's but... choppy because yeah, like certainly, uh, you know, I'm just mentioning for a second, like yeah, the final battle. It's like uh, Storm is the more dramatic, but even Jean, it's like so limited in what she can do. It's like, you know, it's like she could be making shit fly, you know, and like, you know, flinging it at Toad, but she seems to just yeah, be, she can't. You know? She's got toe, toe spunk all over her fucking face. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it, well, that's the only reason that happens is because she does stop him midair the one time she uses her powers in the fight against him. But yeah, what can you all do? Right. Um, also, I want to mention, we, we did skip over, we mentioned earlier, but it's like, you know, uh, Bobby's introduction, um, mm-hmm. just uh, which also has a little pyro cameo uh that's the character not who's who, who <laughs> will undergo an actor change in yeah. future movies yeah uh but um i remember like for instance seeing this uh with you know a geeky audience and people when he said i'm bot he makes the ice um and then he says i'm bobby and people cheered because it's like oh my god again we didn't know all these characters were going to be in this besides the people on the poster um it's really cool now later on some people were i would complain like, hey, why is he younger? Because in the comics, he was one of the original members of the team. And this is where, again, this is where you have to deal with the fact that X-Men, already several decades old at this point, with, you know, multiple iterations in the original team, which would later be replaced by a different team. And it's like, well, like, is it supposed to be exact? Like, if you say you did the original team first, like, Wolverine wouldn't be even in this movie. 
And there's no way they're right. not doing an X-Men right. movie without Wolverine. So yeah. it's like, you know, it's the fact that people sh I wish could accept more that it's going to be like a mashup that, you know, they, they cannot do a one-to-one -one of uh, exactly how it happened in the comics. And then uh, uh, we've got, okay. So the, yeah, the, uh, oh, so yeah. Uh, they get Kelly and they're like, Hey, uh, look at my dumb machine. Uh, <laughs> and Magneto's got a, like a whole thing about like God fearing. That's weird. God works through slowly. He uses his dumb machine to, uh, we don't know what he does because right at this point, it's just a big room full of light. Yeah. It's it seems to hurt Magneto and Kelly seems fine. But what he's doing is he's like mutating the human into becoming a mutant. Um, does Magneto know what powers this guy is going to get? Does he know if he's going to get Magneto powers and then right, right. a Magneto battle? Like, it seems all really irresponsible. Like, the villain plot of this movie <laughs> is very silly. Yeah. I feel like there's a much better way to do it. Like, in my script, uh, no, mine was terrible. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. So, um, but Release the Fowler cut! <laughs> do not. Absolutely not. I mean, my I, I do have Wolverine and Cybertooth battling in the snow. Um uh, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned. I should that. mention that I wrote this script like in high school in 1992 or something. <laughs> so I'm a a I'm trying to say I did it first, but b also that it's terrible. Because, no, I'm, but I'm so glad you just mentioned the battling snow because I forgot to mention, and I know I've told versions of this story before on this podcast or other podcasts. But um, Ed Solomon, who writer of the um, Bill and Ted movies, co-writer of Bill and Ted movies, and writer of the First Men in Black, uh, the fact that he. I almost had a screenwriting credit on this movie and clearly had a, you know, uh, uh, important enough part of this movie that that was the case. When Brent and I, who would later see this movie together, went to uh, see Ed Solomon speak in 1997 when Men in Black came out and he was doing a Q&A uh, uh, appearance at uh, Barnes & Noble because they, the script book was coming out of Men in Black and he did this great Q&A and he mentioned he was writing X-Men at the time. And during that, he mentioned specifically, well, yeah, um, Wolverine and Sabretooth, they uh, are introduced and they have fighting in the snow. And so it was just funny when I saw this movie three years later. Like, <laughs> You're that like, hey, was, he did the thing. That was still the thing. The other thing that was really funny. This about is because the, he read my script. Uh, because he, read, because he, yeah. he had broken into your home and read your script. Uh, the other funny thing was he mentioned during that appearance how it is difficult when you're writing a comic book adaptation, especially based on a comic book that's been around for so long, to figure out how to hone it in and also to reconcile the fact that the comic books have their own inconsistencies because they've been around forever and different writers. And he said one little thing for, he said a little example was, what is Magneto's real name? Because it was Magnus for a long time. Right. And then they used the name Max. And then in the early 90s, Eric Lencher had been introduced as a name He's like, so I don't know what to call him right now. I'm calling him. I think he said, I'm, I'm think I'm going to call him Max Lencher because he was like talking about the yeah, And yeah, the fact that when I went, I had him sign my book, his was signing. I said, well, uh, my name's Eric. I think his name should be Eric in the movie. And he wrote and he signed to me. Uh, I will try to make Lencher's name Eric. There you go. Uh, Look, yes. what you Look what you did. You did so that. his name is Eric, and I'm sure it was the only reason was because I said that to him. Honestly, I'm I'm more sure than you are that that's why it happened. <laughs> I don't. I think you're making a joke out of it, and I don't think it needs. I think it's deadly serious. He, when it, he said a 20th Century Fox the next day. This has to be. Stuff. And you're like, also, can you make a senator turn into ooze? You're like, done, <laughs> done, man, done. So that's the thing. Uh, uh, Senator Kelly doesn't realize what's become of him until he's behind bars and he like oozes through the bars and he's just mm -hmm. his form turns into sort of this jelly type stuff mm -hmm. and uh, 
He's even tried to, even when he's hanging on the cliff, they try to save him, but he, he oozes too much. So another, and Sabretooth fucks up another again. Another big Sabretooth boner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where he locks him out, like he like puts him behind bars. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that Sabretooth, taking it in the chin all the time. Um, he's like, yeah, nobody appreciates Sabretooth around here. I start my own brotherhood. Come on, Toad. And uh, man, uh, speaking of little moments, I like the little dance that Toad does at the end of the movie, like when he's like uh, fighting. Yeah, tr- turns out uh, that was something that uh, one of those things where uh, Ray Park did it like in between takes and they said, that's really fun. You should do that. And again, again, it's a nice little character beat that he does this a silly little. Uh, there's dance. there's way too much of his tongue in this movie. Yeah. Uh, especially as like early CG and you're like, eh. yeah, but that there should have been less tongue, more dancing. Uh, and I say that about everything. <laughs> that is your big note. I say that about poor things. I say that about. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and then we don't know what happens to him until he, I'll just go through his story real quick, which is like, he surfaces up on a beach and for the first time he gets to feel the disgust and fear that people, that he uh, makes people, other people like directs towards mutants. He gets to feel that pointed at him. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, what if I'm the outcast now? And this is, I mean, this is what Magneto wanted. It, yeah. The, 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 him actually turning into a puddle and we think dying, he could have just become Hydro Man. I don't know. But right, right. Uh, we think he died. Maybe he's just liquid now. But whatever it is, he's off the grid and we don't have to worry about him anymore. But that's not what Magneto intended. What he did intend is for everyone to be different so that nobody would be afraid of every everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Somehow, even if Magneto's plan had worked and had turned all of New York or all of the summit into mutants, humans would have found a way to <laughs> hate, hate somebody. Yes, yes. Hate somebody. Like, <laughs> Well, we hate the people with flippers or something, you know, like right, right. somebody would have been. We hate all the blue moons because there's a lot of blue moons. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> yeah. They'll, the, they'll the greens versus the blues. Um, um, the other uh, first in this scene, of course, is the first big screen Stan Lee cameo as the hot dog vendor. Uh, stay, no silent. He doesn't speak, right. uh, but he's standing there. Um, not his first ever Marvel cameo because he's in Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which was a TV movie. Um, yep. and, uh, but yes, uh, big, big screen. The first, the first live action Thor, uh, who would mm-hmm. want to be in Robin Hood Men and No, Tense. Trial is the one with Daredevil. Oh, oh, first live action Daredevil and first live action Kingpin. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this, this would establish, uh, what is the, the Thor one called? Uh, Return of the Incredible Hulk. Cause that was, the yeah, first. that's boring. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yes, uh, Stan being in the scene, uh, you know, the next year is Spider-Man. Um, well, actually no, two years later, Spider-Man. Uh, but yes, they would quickly be like, you gotta get, gotta get Stan, <laughs> get him in there. Uh, and then, uh, okay. So at this point, and then back at home, as they're sort of investigating Wolverine, what he's all about and the mystery grows, uh, he has another night terror and stabs rogue. This and is such a cool sequence. It's still, still to me, I'm like, cause in the theater, people gasped. Um, and again, it, a lot of, it, again, it explains again, helps draw them together as characters, makes mm-hmm. him feel more protective and responsible for her because of what mm-hmm. he almost did to her. And also helps us explain her powers more because Professor X, when he's talking to Mag- us, yeah. sorry, to Wolverine afterwards, he's like, she can, she absorbs people's life force. Okay. What does that mean? It right. sounds like it just means she kills them. Uh, right. What he should say is like, she absorbs, she basically kills them and takes their memories. But also, if you're a mutant, she takes their powers. Life force sounds so weird. And I mean, he does say, but for mutants, it would you can even take their. Oh, no, I know he says that, that but yeah. it's like he steals people's life force, and that's mm-hmm. like, what is that? Um, 
but so when she is smart enough, I guess at that point, maybe she knows. I don't know if she knows she can take mutant powers, but she definitely touches him and takes and yeah. heals herself with his powers and puts him out for out cold. Um, well, they, we, uh, again, important because it happens at the end. Yeah, they, no, it's very, it's very it, important. And again, the the burden this movie had to establish all this stuff because singer does make a good point on the commentary it's like if you're doing a a solo superhero movie you could spend so much time on the hero being like discovering his own powers and and showing how he's gonna like build them up but in a team movie it's like okay we just we have to very efficiently do so much think about how effective this movie was introducing us to a main character who's an amnesiac and not answering anything about his past really for the audience no in the movie itself it doesn't won't come to the sequel and we're still on board with him just because he meets new new friends um but yeah it's really important also having rogue in that kitty or jubilee role is also a challenge. Rogue is a challenge. Like yeah. as a character, as a lead, uh, like as our eyes, as a character, like her powers are weird, like in the realm of mutants. Yeah. Like it's it, it's hard to describe like what she does. And so we have to sort of, as the movie go on, as the movie goes on, discover what she's all about. And the fact that it makes her pivotal to the whole plot, like the fact that she can borrow people's powers and yeah. use them uh, because that's Magneto's whole deal in this. And uh, so this gets called back at the end when she is basically kind of dead and he's trying to like touch her skin. And it's that like coming uh, together of the the father and daughter and like the the person that he didn't want around at first and right. and now is save, trying to save her life, desperately saving her life. He, he says that even before she gets taken on the train. It's like, I'll protect you. Like, I'm your protector. You've got me. Uh, because... Uh, they are the outcasts, even from the X-Men. So the X-Men are like this clique now. Yeah. They're the outcasts, not just in society, but from this group itself. Right, right. And- um, uh, um, I also want to mention that it's like, you know, again, because we're explaining to the audience and making it work. Uh, yeah, th- that's why it's important in the first Sabretooth scene that Rogue, that Wolverine, uh, when he uh, heals after they goes through the window and he looks at her and he heals... A, then she knows, but also the audience. It's like we have to we have to t- efficiently tell the audience he has this power. Then we have to show how it works with her power, and then, like you said, because in the third act, it's going to all come together. Uh, both what she can do and the fact that he can yeah. use this to save her. And uh, yeah, because not everyone sitting in these in the theaters of fucking Poindexter like us. I mean, a lot of them <laughs> are, but not everyone. Um, and then okay, so then at the same time, um we learn more that like they're the brotherhood's sort of after rogue because mystique who we now have sort of like introduced with yellow eyes infiltrates uh the the x-men man uh the the school the mansion and convinces rogue to run away after the whole wolverine incident Mm -hmm. because and it's like you shouldn't use your powers on another mutant and the fact that like she touched him and could have killed him uh and so she's feeling guilty about that and Mystique uses Bobby to sort of make her run away and that makes her pray for the Brotherhood. And at the same time, she's not done there because she uses her shape-shifting ability to get into Cerebro. Uh, and change the liquid. <laughs> she fucking she poisons it. She poisons it. Uh, but this comes... Okay, I'm trying to think. This comes after Professor X shows us... It's all X after the train. Us, no, okay, okay. 
yeah, so she's still hanging around after the train. Uh, so she, she runs away. She went to a away. few classes. Yeah, because this happens after we're introduced to Cerebro because Xavier uses it to find Rogue. And, yes. But then we're also getting more a little bit of backstory between him, Magneto, and how long they've known each other. And which uh, which will cause uh, <laughs> will cause one of many continuity errors in the series because he specifically says I met him when I was seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> but um, and then uh, basically at this point he doesn't know how Magneto is blocking his uh, psychic abilities. Uh, he, we know that it, we'll find out soon enough that it's this helmet, but he doesn't know how. But he still can use Cerebro to find Rogue and. Um, but Magneto he doesn't have specific helped him he, build it he helped him build it yeah yeah but he does say that it's like he would he would be able to figure out a way but i'll see because he helped him build it also uh again visually cerebro um uh you know a, a a kind of iconic set of this series this is one of the cases where the comics would start to like you know mimic the movies and kind of try to start to match what this movie established and it's a it's a clever visual the um you know the how he sees the people like the groups of people no it um, is cool i like and how it sort of like goes and it is sort of like the the use of of computer effects to but like with live people to like mm -hmm. enhance this uh, you could say virtual world as he searches out outside for like mutants uh looks really cool you're right and this is how he finds her and then they speed off now in a in a little bit after he tries to use Cerebro again to find out where Magneto has taken her, uh, he's basically uh, the false victim to tainted Cerebro fluid. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what she put in there. I don't know what the goop was. Ooze. Yeah, it's this mutagen. And then he winds up in a coma. He gets out of it right at the end after they win. That takes him, him off the chessboard before his game of chess. But yeah, so yeah. It's never explained. I don't remember needing an explanation, but this no, is no. why Jean winds up using it. And it's also set up that like, it's too powerful for, she's very like modest. She's like, oh, I'm not a telepath like Charles Xavier, like Professor X, I can never do what he does. Uh, this is too powerful for me. Even Cyclops is like, no, she can't use it. And so uh, again, those who know the character know that she, within her is this dormant, like ability that's even more, more power, powerful. More very powerful. powerful. <laughs> Maybe uh, too I don't know. powerful. We understand that probably Xavier knows it at this point. We don't know if he, he's shared it with Scott because he seems very protective of her not using this machine. Right. Maybe he's told him. But I think, are we to assume that her using Cerebro because Professor X is taken out is kind of kicks off. Yes. Her, I think her that's the theme. idea. Yeah. That I kicks off the like the, the amplification of her powers that'll come about mm -hmm. in the sequel. Yeah. And uh, essentially... Everyone's ruined, but um, yeah, and and uh, at some point in here, mixing it all up, Senator Kelly shows up on their doorstep because he's got nowhere else to well, go. Well, I, I, we, we jumped over though. We'll, 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 we'll get to the train stuff too. But oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but we no, got no, past it. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I just want to close off Kelly. And this is, yeah, he like, we're, I, I don't know if we're supposed to feel sorry for him. I don't. Uh, <laughs> as he like, I mean, Basically, I think one of the, one of the only one scene. It's like Storm's one scene. Yeah, like... it's and it is a good moment. It's her best moment is when he asks, uh, "Do you hate humans?" She says, "I suppose I'm afraid of them." Uh, just it's a, it's a nice moment, even though again she doesn't really get to be Storm. It's nothing specific to Storm um, or anything I think of Storm there, but uh, yeah, it is a nice little character moment for her in a movie that doesn't really give her a lot to do. 
No, we were doing so well, and then you froze up. I did? Well, on my end. Maybe we'll oh. see. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, it's a good story. It's a good uh, moment that could have been said by anybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because they're all uh, mutants. <laughs> okay, so back to the, the train. So she's, yeah, she's fled. She's going to take a train, um, a midnight train to nowhere. Uh, they are going to go after her. Scott doesn't want Wolverine to go, but he insists uh, so much so that he steals Scott's bike, which is set up in an earlier scene that he's got one that apparently has super turbo speed and gets there first before Storm and Cyclops show up. And But the brother, it's a trap from the Brotherhood because Magneto's there. And uh, if there's anyone who's <clears throat> less effective against Magneto than Wolverine, I'd like to meet them because uh, <laughs> if there's one person Wolverine can't be cool in front of, yeah. it's Magneto. Well, geez. I mean, in the, in the comics, they did that story in the 90s where he, he ripped his fucking tore the, all the uh, tore all the metal out of him. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, there's uh, uh, the stuff in the train station. It's funny because uh, uh, Cyclops, um, they, they would streamline from the sequels, uh, the, the giant sort of earmuff part of his visor. So it's very funny that he's like, wearing the visor if it was just the visor like the sequel visor would be fine but he's got these giant ear things um i remember uh jonah krakow uh who really dug this movie but his unintentional laugh his guffaw was it uh scott wearing that in the uh, train station um and uh well, I, well I, and then i mean the little kid looked at him and thought he, he did he does so. he's like what the fuck's with you um a really nice scene another really nice scene with uh logan and rogue here on the train uh, although it is funny because he's he got that line about he seems to genuinely want to help you. And that's a rare thing for people like us. It is funny. Again, um, totally understand given the how hasty he was cast. But it is funny. I noticed that Hugh Jackman's not really doing the Logan voice in that scene. He's like mm. not doing that gruff voice. It's like, oh, he hasn't quite like nailed that voice yet. And maybe he shot this scene very early in his rapid casting. Um. Not and then a the, lot of the great stuff with Magneto outside and the guns. Yeah, so yeah. so a lot of this mid part here works better than the the end of the movie. Yes, uh, especially the showdown with the cops and not just like the destruction of the cars, but like pulling all their guns, pointing it at them, making the bullet go into the guy's head. But then at the same time, uh, further development of Charles's powers, which is like taking over someone else, which we hadn't seen before. The that's that enough really Eric cool. with Sabretooth is great. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Like speaking through Sabretooth in that way uh, really is really cool because he can't do that to Magneto like he's wearing that helmet. So mm -hmm. I don't know why he doesn't make Sabretooth just take off the helmet. But anyway, <laughs> like, um, so out. but yeah, it's a great scene shows you how powerful Magne Magneto is because we've only seen him do these little things like make like make the walkway appear in front of him or like make the balls clack on the table, like right. nothing super huge since he was a kid and pulling at that gate. So to see yeah. how big, you know, and he he mentions the limits of his powers because he's like, I don't think I could stop all these bullets. Like if I right. make all the guns fire, like, yeah. So it's like, there is some limit to his powers, but he's super, super formidable. And I'm happy that like, it doesn't come, like it comes... The movie dances around full fights in certain ways. Yeah. And at the end, they dance around Magneto because he's so powerful by taking him out because he's already transferred his power to Rogue and the machine's going. But because, but at, I'm very happy that they have him have a showdown with them. He traps them all. Like he mm -hmm. basically like warps the metal and like makes Wolverine like stick his fist into his chest and removes 
uh, Scott's goggles and makes him like look toward or face toward Gene. Like that whole moment, I'm glad is there because up until that point, like they they haven't done anything with Magneto and he's about to like lose his powers for the rest of the <laughs> Right, movie. right, right. Uh, but yeah, th- this moment is really cool. But they, this is the most cool moment for Magneto. Yeah, the, the moment with the cops here. And uh, on yeah, a power and, level. And he gets, he darts, uh, yeah, he handily dispatches wolverine breaks open the train darts uh a, a fleeing rogue and then says young people which is a uh, uh i you'd think that gif would be used more these days yeah, that's true it just ne- it just you never, know what maybe we're was, gonna put maybe, it in, we're gonna put it in circulation maybe it was never gift it was 2000 who knows huh. uh that that's a shame so but yeah he's got who he intended to steal um he's taken out professor x because of that the the cerebro prank the bad juice. Yeah, it's <laughs> the fucking bad brain juice. And then, uh, but he doesn't count on Gene. And Gene, who was, um, wasn't around for this train station fight, uh, finds Rogue, but it, like, it still takes it out of her. But it does do the thing where it's sort of like, uh, we'll find out later, kicks off her alpha powers inside her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Scott gets, uh, like you, you mentioned this earlier, it's like he gets that little um, speech to Xavier about how if something happens, I'll take care of them. Again, like kind of, it's almost know. a little too eager. It's like, are you dead yet? Am I leader? <laughs> I think I think it more is like, yeah. Again, them acknowledge they don't know that you know. Again, because in the comics, he has his own father son relationship. Scott and Charles. This movie doesn't spend any time on that, but that line is kind of your one little nod to that. Yeah. So then she finds him. It's Ellis Island. They realize the Magneto plot is to take out is to use this machine that Magneto doesn't know is lethal. On the 200 delegates coming into town, but also it's going to like hit New York. It's going to wash over more than just this yeah. meeting. And this is when we were introduced uh, to, to the leather outfits that like, you know, uh, Logan basic, again, these are supposed to be the cool outfits. Right. And he's right. still complaining about them. So it's sort of like, <laughs> it's not like, Hey, I look badass now. He's like, these are still ridiculous. Right. right. And then we get the yellow outfit line. Like, what would you prefer? Uh, yellow spandex and we're all like what <laughs> like, which we all thought was fun in 2000 and now it's like those fucking assholes again again yes i am so excited that hugh jackman is wearing the yellow costume in deadpool 3 uh i also acknowledge that in 2000 especially because this movie had to convince an audience to take these characters seriously it would not have been the right time <laughs> for him to wear that costume you know uh, yeah. This was the the right call at the moment. So the 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 thing that this is the interesting part. It's uh, so we get the Blackbird, which is the X Men's like the yeah. jet, and it's under the school. It's just it, <clears throat> the later movies, especially the last. Again, these aren't even good movies, but they do establish like the younger '80s team of Gene and Sy- and Scott and a lot of them like doing missions uh, as the X-Men yeah, that this movie would have you believe they don't really do because the students call them X-Men and no one's ever heard of them and they're not on the news like doing things. So like they're not famous or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they're all hiding in underground or secret, but they do have this war plane. So right, right. Uh, it, it is and it isn't implied that they've used it before in crucial uh, world saving yeah. 
capacity. I don't know. It, it just feels weird to have around. <laughs> It'd be funny if they just cra- crash the plane because they don't know how to use it. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah, well, he doesn't land it well, but yeah. So <laughs> That's actually a very fun moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and he does not land it well. Well, yeah, because, you know, he is trying to be the Boy Scout and, and he's trying to be cool in front of the cool guy. You know what I yes, mean? Like, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, then comes the big uh, Ellis Island fight, which is um, uh, it's okay. It's fine. Like, again, we, we're we still working out how all these people work together and fight together. The only thing that really works is they take Wolverine and uh, Mystique off separately and they have their own fight. Yeah. Uh, uh, a couple more things. entertaining than everything else. So um, it's also I want to mention that they talked on the commentary about how absolutely um, terrible it was for the actors in those costumes. They could barely move um, that part when they first land and they kind of come up over like the stones on the side they were saying how that was their first scene in costume and no one could move no one could make it over that little brick wall and how um like yeah that uh hugh jackman's like the the crotch of his costume and the arms they were always tearing uh just it was like yeah just figuring that all out but also with the fighting yeah uh we mentioned this earlier it's like the stuff with toad and storm and and gene it's just like the the ladies they're just so sort of nerfed their powers they don't really do anything except for a couple little things uh but but the mystique wolverine fight is legitimately exciting we should mention again because it doesn't it doesn't have to involve as much she does some cool like wall climbing but it's mostly just a physical fight and uh cory yoon uh who is a hong kong action director and then came to america and did like fight choreography for a bunch of stuff he did that fight he did like specifically that stuff so there's a reason that stuff kind of feels different and stands out um and his team at the time included a guy who stopped acting named yeah. except he was going by jonathan Kwan, and that's what they call him on the commentary and because they do mention that short round is uh worked on that movie yeah. uh so yeah that was like a cool thing that kind of surfaced when Kwan kind of get back into acting was that he worked on this cool Mystique uh, Wolverine fight in this back movie. into acting? He has an Academy Award. <laughs> I will, but he wasn't acting in prior to that. <laughs> he's, he's dabbling again. You could say. <laughs> no, I'm not saying he didn't when he got award. I'm saying he wasn't. He literally wasn't acting prior to that. It's him and Anna Paquin are the ones <laughs> in this movie. Have, uh... Okay, so um, and and oh, so Barry. what was the other? Yeah, what was the other? uh joss whedon line okay besides, so joss whedon, besides the same thing that happens to every, everything else okay so joss whedon it's ironic because he has the most hated line in this movie and he literally so it's it, they they don't mention whedon's name on the commentary but it is funny when they get to the toad line and brian singer's like oh, i do not yeah i'm not a big fan of this line and then literally about two minutes later they go this gets the biggest laugh in the movie oh when he says the, you're a dick prove it you're a dick those are the two lines of Joss Whedon that remain in the movie. So it's very funny that he has the most hated line and one of the most popular lines in the movie. Um, Joss Whedon, his defense for this line, I actually think is very credible. I actually completely understand what he's saying, even though he kind of said it in a way overly defensive way, which is he said, Halle Berry delivered that line wrong. No, she did. And I, I agree with because him. Because like- all you have to do is imagine Sarah Michelle Geller delivering this line on Buffy to understand the way Joss Whedon wanted it delivered. And so With, to say that I wouldn't even put it on Halle Berry, I put it on no, Brian no, Singer. of course, like, of course he, on, on he everyone. Know yeah. how the line needs to be read. Yeah. If he doesn't know how the line is supposed to go, take it out of the script. Yeah. The punchline is not meant to be a badass punchline. 
Right. It's meant to be a flippant punchline. Would you know what happens to a toad when it gets hit by lightning? Psh, same thing happens to everything else. Everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be a Buffy line, um, but instead it was given this other line. So it would not be hated if it was delivered that way. Um, it is. It would be um, uh, now. It would be mentioned as like all of Joss Whedon's characters sound the same, <laughs> and that that criticism would come up. But uh, uh, I do understand what he's saying, even though yeah, it ends up being this huge dud of a, a moment because of how it was played out in the movie. So what can you do? Um, I have another uh, funny moment, though, with this movie, which is um, because when Joss Whedon was writing it, of course, we were so excited because we were in the throes of like fucking love and Buffy. Um, and it was announced he was going to write the script. And I was, went to San Diego Comic-Con a couple weeks after that news was in the trades. And I was looking through a bunch of comics um, at one of like just the comic vendors. And I look over and Joss Whedon is flipping through a bunch of comics and he's get, looking through X-Men comics. And I go, and this is like when Joss Whedon is not at the point where, you know, some people are going to recognize him at Comic-Con, but not everybody. But I just go, so I go, research? Oh no, where'd you go? Uh, I'm right here. You said, okay, you said, this is where Joss Whedon is not at the point of. Uh, it's not at the point where everyone's going to recognize him at Comic-Con, but some people will, obviously, you know. Um, but yeah, so I saw him uh, uh, flipping through a bunch of X-Men comics. And I go, I just look at him, I go, research? And he kind of looks for a not beat and he goes, yeah. Uh, so I saw him buy yeah. a bunch of X Men comics too. Uh, and you should say, uh, and and like you made uh, Eric Lencher uh, come true, you should say, it's like you should have a line where a uh, part where Storm <laughs> stalks Toad with lightning and then says the same thing that happens to everyone else, but delivered badly. That's yes. what you say. <laughs> He's like done and done. So um, okay, so yeah, going through this fight. Uh, Basically, yeah, uh, Wolverine does stab Mystique. She tries to pose a storm. Do we know how he knows? Does he smell her? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the scent because they do establish the the scent thing around this time. Um, and, uh, and stabs her, doesn't kill her though. So we actually do get to see uh, adamantium, adamantium claws penetrate flesh. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, does, it doesn't do the job because she winds up doing a very cool thing, which is like affecting laws on the, the actual uh government level uh so yeah. I feel like i feel like that's the way the brotherhood should have just kept going uh and just change policy from the top from the top down eric when, when he stabs her it's funny because for the most part wolverine's claws look really good in this movie but when he stabs her and quote unquote kills her um and she's kind of changing back and forth um there's one little beat where the claws look very cartoony i'll just put a pin in that because there's going to be a later movie that that happens way more egregiously um than than this this little moment um oh also and i think i can't remember if i mentioned specifically singer mentions the toad fight had some big sequences they literally just were not given the money to finish um, it feels but, like it yeah it yeah. feels like and i think it felt like it when we were watching yep. too but we didn't give a shit then uh yeah so then magneto traps them all uh they break out there's a big fight with Sabretooth on top of the um Statue of Liberty that very very uh goofy moment where he I do not think the physics would work of wrapping him, uh, around yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going around the whole thing. I just appreciate that it's him and not a CGI dummy. Uh -huh, like uh -huh. it's actually him doing the stunt. But yeah, it's 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 all a little bit clunky. And then uh but but he does say, Hey bub, I'm not finished with you yet. And we all went we 
we're very excited. <laughs> yes. And we bub. were excited. Uh, we were excited because he says bub and that's from the comics. And then we were excited when he says to Magneto, you're so full of shit because we had oh, yeah. did not expect to hear an X-Men character say shit in a movie. Uh, that was groundbreaking. This is, he And he had just said you're a dick. Uh, so yeah. I know uh, this was all new to us. Um, but also this is a great moment. I really love when his line right after the ooh of you're so full of shit, which is if you were really so righteous, it would be you in that thing. Cause it's a great true moment of him calling out Magneto for only to a point is he, you know, he, he, he won't really self-sacrifice. He still thinks he still thinks he deserves to live and yeah. rogue, rogue does not, you know, for his, this plan to happen. Well, he's got things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and they mentioned from... that they were gonna, um, this would have been this would have gotten a bunch of ooze from the comic book geeks too, which is that he I think they might have even filmed it. Um, and it was an Ian McKellen suggestion that when he uh, specifically when he we, we kind of skipped over this, but when he he has a nice moment with Rogue where she's like, Are you gonna kill me? And he just says yes. Um McKellen suggested, not probably knowing he was gonna he was dead on to the comics at the time, I think Magneto has a daughter. And they ended up putting it in, and I think he said he said it to her. He's like, "I have a daughter, and I'd be willing to sacrifice her to what, Polaris you know, or Scarlet Witch at, at the time, uh, yeah. Wanda." But yeah, yeah, I think that would have the the message boards would have been buzzing if he'd made that mention, but they didn't end up including it. Um, and then it's the big showdown at the end where they all sort of team up and and use their powers together to stop. My mom, <laughs> Carol Goldman, wow. said said to me. I like how they're all using their powers together. Yes, <laughs> I'm glad she appreciated that. But, did, but yeah. did she say right afterwards, did she go, not? <laughs> no, because she only started using that term about 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, strike when the iron's hot. I, I, I told Matt that my mom, I can't stop her from saying like, oh, that was a really good movie. Not. <laughs> She's I just... love it. I love it. I want her on the <laughs> podcast to just say not all the time. <laughs> I'm glad that she's keeping that alive, if you want to call it that. Yes. Uh, oh, it was one of the best things I heard last week. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, uh, oh, and this is when Rogue's hair, right? yes. she gets the white streak in her hair from this machine, from this white hair mutant. And we all, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointed at the screen, even though we didn't know that. It's reference. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, he's like, it's, it's me. Okay. So then, um, then we get the point where like Logan saves her life and it takes a little while because it's fun. So it's, it's really interesting. It's really sort of really emotional when he touches and the her score, skin. We should mention the Michael Kamen, uh, who most famous for Die Hard score. Um, but I, I like his score in this movie. Uh, it's, it's, right. like, the, the, it's not, it's not like an amazing score, but this, I think I'm mostly, I'm saying this piece, the piece where he saves Rogue is really good. What I really like about it is that he's able to, he touches her skin, but nothing happens. Yes. And so at first it's really uh, heartbreaking because it's like, oh, mm-hmm. she, it's too late. But then like, uh, I guess she was just dead for a few seconds. And then she's like, ah, and then the power kicks in. And that's, it's a great moment because that's when we know that she's alive and it's working. And uh, uh, he's even willing probably in that moment to sacrifice himself to save her. It doesn't work out that way. Like he doesn't have to die, but like he's willing yeah. to because he yes. knows the risk. And... I don't know why his cuts come back, but whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, oh, that it reverses? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. But I think they're uh, just, they really want to f- show that 
how close he is to dying here in this yeah. moment. Yeah. They they save each other. Wolverine gets a newfound appreciation for the X-Men, but also I think he appreciates them the most because she finds a home with them. I think yes. he really he it's not for him really, but I think he really um starts to respect them because of how much they've taken her in and you know, at least one of them finds a place and now he's given he's given a clue. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie ends with him going off to in search of stealing Cyclops bike and uh, going after this clue. And then we get the great like Magneto plastic prison at the end with yes. the chess match with the chess pieces, uh, which great Charles scene. Xavier wins the match because as after he leaves, uh, he, he topples his king. He's like he's he, he checkmated. Him. So, yeah. Good um, uh, yeah, that's a great, great scene. Great scene to leave off on these. You know, again, these two actors, they're so great. Uh and really sort of focusing them. And the, the plastic prison is a good visual and a good way to show how how do you solve a problem like Magneto? How do you lock up Magneto? Who who uh, built it? Who did that? I don't know. Who's, um, in who, the, who's in running X, this joint? I can tell you who built it because it's an Easter egg in X2. Uh, the name Stark was on uh, the prison in, in, in uh, X2. Oh, I had no idea. Uh, again, back when everything was a little more flimsy with the, the legal rights. Oh, yeah, what you all. could do. <laughs> yeah. Course, yeah. Uh, they were just uh, fucking around. Um, speaking of which, um, as we're mentioning Iron Man, closing credits this movie, a couple of notable names here, uh, Richard Donner, because Lauren Shuler Donner produced this movie and she produced pretty much all the X-Men movies, but her husband, Richard Donner, was an EP on this movie. Um, I think it's the only one that he has that credit on. Uh, but, uh, buried in the credits is an important credit, associate producers, because one of them is a guy named Kevin Feige. And uh, that this movie really is important to the MCU's sort of origin story uh, because Kevin Feige worked for Lauren Schuler Donner. He were, That's who he worked for. He worked mm-hmm. for the Donner Company. and uh, was But he was like around a lot on the making of this movie. And he'd immersed himself in comic books, even though he didn't grow up with them. And now at this point, he was like became the encyclopedia guy about comic books and could tell them things and make suggestions about things. And that... Um, Avi Arad, the head of Marvel Studios at the time, um, or the company that had become Marvel Studios, was so impressed by him, he went to Lauren Shula Donner and said, I'd like to hire him away from you. And she said, okay. And he hired him. And uh, guess what? He's still at Marvel Studios. It worked out well for what? him. What? Yes. <laughs> uh, would you say he's the Dave Filoni of Marvel Studios? <laughs> I guess I would, yeah. Um, meanwhile, Avi Arad is the one who has a, an Oscar because of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. But, you know, life is fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything much more to say about this? Because I think this is the longest podcast we've ever done. Which so. is very funny, too, because this is not a very long movie, especially with the way comic book movies would go later on. I know, but it was important to us. And I know it is. And also movie. in yeah. the history of superhero cinema. Is very it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. super important, this movie. Um, and yeah, again, uh, the, you, you can see the budget limitations. You can see some of the things they hadn't worked out. Um, but I really think uh, tonally, and the vibe of this movie that really holds up uh, just the approach here and just the, the, the grounded approach yeah. with humor, with jokes, mm-hmm. with funny moments that that work. Um, yeah. Uh, that not all the kinks have been worked out, but um, we're still dealing with kinks to this day. Nothing's sure. perfected. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was a uh, uh, launch, a, uh, a initially a trilogy. Yeah, uh, that did not go so well at, toward the end. But well, uh, yeah, nail in your third remember. movie, nail in your third movie. It's always it's, a problem, uh, unless you're Peter Jackson. But we'll see. Um, all right, uh, 
X2 next week. And until then, everything is possible, but nothing is real. And he's a mutant, a stinking mutant. And shock my, shock my bub. Shock my bub.